Yeah, we don't want to do anything to scare your children. That's the last thing we want to do. We don't want to scare anybody. Hello everyone, welcome back to Leftover. This is Arjun. And I'm Rory, and just right from the start I need to promise that we aren't going to end this episode with Sunday Bloody Sunday by U2. <laughs> this is an anti-U2 podcast. Don't like it, there's the door. We have a very special episode joining us to discuss the 50th anniversary of Bloody Sunday and the long protracted history of Ireland and of violence uh, and and independence and republicanism in ireland writer podcaster trade unionist and uh heavyweight champion of uh of of ef work daniel baker <laughs> or fe work rather i, I really <laughs> fucked that up didn't I? <laughs> I i wasn't gonna point it out but uh you know yeah uh, I, I i tried to i tried to give uh, a, a, an appropriate intro but i feel like i really failed over there but uh <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, that's that's all good and probably more than I deserve. So uh, thank you very much. And, uh, it's great to be yeah, here. Yeah, no, you. very much looking forward to this. Um, as I was saying uh, earlier as well, it's just the history of Ireland is like one of those things that's like been really fascinating to me, particularly since I would say like the 2017 election and uh, like the DUP going into government with Theresa May and like having sort of heard about all of this stuff in passing before, but never really having looked it up and then looking it up and it being like a really fucking eye-opening experience, kind of like realizing that, no, Britain was basically in a state of civil war in its inside its own borders up until the fucking 90s, <laughs> you know? And the reasons for that and like the things that Britain actually did in Northern Ireland um, uh, and Ireland in general, you know, uh, it was a very sort of... Um, eye-opening experience i feel um I, I don't know about you guys yeah i mean like we, like we were saying before we started this recording i mean like um you know the the, the 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 reason i write about this stuff um and the reason i'm so sort of passionate about it i suppose um you know people might be listening to this uh, you know possibly uh, first of all a lot of people expect me to be irish uh um, um you know um wh- 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 when they hear me speak for the first time and are often surprised when i'm not um and um, like i was saying to you before this podcast started my interest in this subject basically comes from um i have some irish heritage on my mum's side of the family if you go back you know far enough um ancestors were sort of forced from the land um, um in ireland and um through a combination of um, sort of starvation and, and, and violence and various other things um ended up um in the industrial uh, northeast of the uk uh, so there's always been that sort of fascination uh, uh for me but i think as well just the you know the the more that i've poured myself into this and the more that it's sort of become my the, you know that the history and politics of in particular irish republicanism has become my kind of obsession um the absolute lack of um, anything approaching even, uh, you know, an adequate um, uh, kind of public education or or public knowledge about the material conditions that led to, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the the troubles in particular Um, and the the, the almost complete and total ignorance um, that is... um, 
you know, propagated and, and, and sort of managed, really, um, 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 by um, sort of, you know, a combination of um, uh, the British state, the British army um, and its yeah. media outriders, it has really sort of combined uh, to make people, I think, especially ignorant on, on this side of the water about, um, you know, precisely why, you know, people were right were, yeah. were marching for civil rights and what those particular infringements yeah. of civil rights were um, when it comes to, you know, especially Bloody Sunday. That's the thing, you know, like like the fact that it took me until I was basically like 27 years old like find out about this stuff for the first time even though i've like lived in this country for a by now the majority of my life there has definitely been a very concerted effort to bury this history uh and for very good reason as well obviously you know like with all of britain's uh colonial crimes and uh you know imperialist crimes around the world it's been so it's been over a decade since mm. the the Savile inquiry was uh, the mm-hmm. report was released. So like, yeah. fortunately, we've we've reached a point where you know that they can actually start to report the truth. You know that this was the, a wholesale slaughter of of a of, of a group of civilians who were unarmed. You know, you no longer have to you know spew the lies and the the obfuscation uh, by the British Army, but like it definitely, it definitely feels like it's kind of devoid of context the way it's still reported exactly. on. Like it, it very much starts with the the march through Derry. You know, like it, mm-hmm. there's no, you know, what like these people just like were they doing it for a jolly? You know, are they just really enthusiastic like walkers? Like there's there's very little yeah. knowledge about Operation Demetrius about like Frank Kitson and the. The general subjugation which led up to it, the absolutely uh, horrific human rights violations, which are still echoed everywhere in the world. Because when you look at a lot of the techniques, especially in the context of things like Palestine, the the war on terror. Yeah. This is the the laboratory Mm. which all of these techniques Mm -hmm. and all of these tactics were produced. So it is so important in that sense. Oh yeah, I mean absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, you know, we can probably come onto this um, in in a moment, perhaps when we sort of sketch a little bit of the the sort of the, the, the prehistory um, of all this stuff. Um, uh, you know, from the sort of the, the point that the island is colonized um, by uh, the the English at that time in the sort of twelfth century. Yeah, yeah. Even, this know? is the thing. I think in order for us to to really understand how we did get to that point, even in terms of like the civil rights movement, which led to the march in Derry, uh, you know. <clears throat> on on the day of Bloody Sunday, in, in order to really understand that, we I think we really do have to take a more protracted look at the, the history of British rule in Ireland, right? And uh, like you were saying, from the from the twelfth century onwards, uh, when the British arrived in Ireland for the first time, um, they ruled with a form of subjugation and 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 oppression which lasted for centuries, right? Pretty much up until the nineteenth century, and it sort of had different forms throughout throughout that time but um yeah i mean irish culture was over time uh, eradicated the irish language was over time uh, you know erased uh, and uh religious freedoms were regularly trampled upon um you know especially after britain became a protestant country especially sort of after uh, elizabethan times so uh, yeah, that, that that's the thing, right? I mean, it's 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 a long and protracted history of subjugation and repression of over a thousand years. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, um, you know, th- th- there's a reason why Republicans will will, will speak about um, you know, um, um, an, an, un- an unbroken chain of resistance over mm-hmm. you know eight hundred, nine hundred years, a thousand years, um, uh, to British rule, and that's you know where you know many. many 
you know, many, many modern Republicans to this day will still, um, you know, draw upon, um, events as far back as, you know, um, the, the 1100s, um, to, uh, to, to, to justify their, uh, their political positions and to justify their, their anti-colonial anti-imperialist politics. Um, so I do think it's like, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we should, we should probably get into however, however briefly, um, you know, I mean, in, in in terms of this sort of stuff, I mean, it's it, it's it's such a sort of long history that you know it's it's it, you don't want to get stuck on mm-hmm. two you know one thing for too long. So we're doing an, an entire podcast about it, you know. But um, there's um there's there's a fantastic book, and I will try not to just recommend other people's books. Please do, this, please as, do. As, um, more reading, uh, as, more reading. Yeah, recommendations you know, it, 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 well, yeah. I mean. Uh, I'll definitely knock up um, a reading list for afterwards as well that um, we can sort of share with the listeners. But um, there's a fantastic book by uh, Robbie McVeigh and Bill Ralston, um, which is called um, Island Colonialism and the Unfinished Revolution. Um, and in the third chapter of that book, it does a, a really nice sort of overview um, of exactly, um, you know, uh, of the nature of the colonisation of Ireland. And the point that they make is that, you know, there's, there's this... Um, a sort of common idea, I suppose, that's often expressed within and without republicanism that you know Ireland is um, is is England's first colony, um, and you know um, w- whether or not that's true, you know you can nitpick and you know you could talk about um, Newfoundland and, and other places as well. Um, but the the point really is is that Ireland becomes the the the, the textbook, uh, you know, a, example of of how you subjugate, of how you divide and rule, and how you and how you govern and and you know subject um, exactly. uh, a populace which is culturally, linguistically different for, from your own um and uh, you know obviously at, at certain periods as well religiously different um so it, it is the incubator um you know uh, as far back as the 1100s for you know a product of the uh, imperial uh, kind of like you know um soldiering um a colonial mm-hmm. um schooling system but mm-hmm. like yeah. like frank kitson yeah. um you know so there is there is a line that runs all the way through this stuff from the um, 1100s you know. all the way through to frank kitson and like the fact that, the fact that frank kitson's techniques have then become sort of a textbook for uh, you know counterinsurgencies sort of around but, the world. Yeah, in a, in addition to that, I do think there's something unique about the the colonial heritage in Ireland in in the sense that they are sort of white. Well, generally, I know the concept has sort of changed over time, mm-hmm. but generally they're seen as ethnically more or less the same as English people. So you do have this history of like the the sort of the elite or the bourgeois Irish class being you know very much embedded in English society as well. And so it's sort of an interesting dynamic mm. in that sense. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I, 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 you know, that dynamic still exists to this day. Uh, to this day, you know, um, you'll, um, you know, you'll, you'll still hear um, and see Republicans, um, you know, um, uh, 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 pulling up. Uh, their their supposed class betters from the uh, you know the the south of the country yeah. um, who uh, are, are, are very willing to look upon you know the the the, the armed struggle the IRA's campaign and um, and various different instances of militant republicanism as this kind of incredibly um, you know um, uh, sort of um, um, distasteful yeah. um, sort of um, you know product of um, l- uh, lower classes who are you know uh, not educated enough to think with their minds you know and they have to you know use violence and that internal um, sort of a uh, a relationship is a very complicated one as well, um, and one that again we might not have time to go into fully, but um, is is, is I feel worth like, thinking yeah, about. The sort of yeah, the, the, the inevitable product of that is there's a lot of 
sort of naff art which is produced about the struggle which doesn't really say anything like we already spoke about sunday bloody sunday by you too <laughs> it's just like the most kind of superficial lyrics of like oh let's let's come together and hold hands or whatever like like there's no no kind of analysis well, of like a yeah. subjugated and oppressed class of people living under state terrors like what if the ulster protestants and the catholics just smoke weed together it would be so cool like it's we just need to come together and, and you know the thing is as well is that I actually saw someone posting an old clip of um, of uh, of Bono talking about uh, about the track again recently, and you know in that clip um, he he basically um, you know uh, re- refuses to acknowledge that the. Um, that the song is in any way actually specifically about <laughs> Bloody Sunday itself. Um, he, he he basically, you know, he says, oh, you know, it's a, uh, th- th- there's been several <laughs> Bloody Sundays throughout history. I'm not necessarily talking about the one that happened in, you know, 1972. Um, you know, I could have been talking about any Bloody Sunday. Really, you know, it's all about why don't people get along? And then he even actually has a pop in that clip. Uh, um, you know, uh, uh, Luke Kelly, the uh, the great Luke Kelly, the singer from the, the Dubliners, um, from ma- magnificent um, sort of Irish folk artist who was a very politically engaged um, uh, socialist singer. Um, and he sort of, you know, holds him up as this example of, oh, this terrible, dry, old sort of folk music bores. We didn't want to sound like Luke Kelly, you know? And you think, well, maybe you should have done, mate. Uh, I I swear that's like an Alan Partridge joke as well, isn't it? It's like he said, oh, Sunday, bloody Sunday. <laughs> like, it's actually about a massacre in Ireland. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that, that's the thing as well. I mean, like, going back to the, the, the sort of, uh, earlier history of British rule in, in Ireland. I mean, it was still sort of faced with resistance mm. throughout. Um, and, um, you know, there, there were multiple oh, yeah. wars by the, the Irish against the British, but the British, you know, maintained their, their control. Um, and it was really uh, uh, like King James I uh, in 1606 mm. who implemented the Ulster Plantation where basically they moved thousands of people from the north of England and from Scotland primarily uh, to the north of, of, of Ireland, which is where, like, a lot of the Gaelic chieftains were, right? Like, a lot of the, the Gaelic nobility, uh, and which is also, yeah. therefore, like, where, where a lot of the resistance to the British rule in Ireland was. So they were brought in specifically at that in that place as Protestants, as people who are fiercely loyal to the crown and to the state of, um, uh, to, to, to the British state. Well, the, the idea of the state, I guess, in the modern sense, didn't really exist, but to the crown, at least, you yeah. know, yeah, the, 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 like that, that would kind of like be the, the the foothold of the British, eventually over the next five hundred years. Yeah, would be like if, Ulster. It feels kind yeah. of jarring to think of like a plantation, but not a tropical yeah. country, you know, like a famous yeah. rainy island. But it, it really yeah. was the kind of <laughs> breadbasket of the of the British Empire, yeah. wasn't it? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, you know. Th- this is this is essentially a policy in which they are attempting to um you know basically uh uh uh, consolidate lands uh, for the crown uh, and then basically the, the aim is to sort of you know to assimilate those um uh, the, yeah. th- those yeah. gaelic or sort of gaelicized um anglo-norman elite that have been there since um, you know uh, since henry the 8th and, and well before that um you know and they um you know and they actually grant you know titles um and um and a great deal of um you know economic uh, sort of support in some cases to sure. certain gaelic chieftains um who are willing to you know yeah. who, are, who are willing to collaborate um the problem is is that you know throughout that history there is um that throughout the, 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 that extended period um you know 
know, you have these quite clear demarcations that are drawn by the uh, by, 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 by the chiefs um, who say, look, you know, um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go along with this, whatever. Um, we can, you know, there can be some form of sort of like class interest that we might share here. Uh, but essentially, you know, we, we're going to very strictly stick to these borders. You, you know, you can work, work away outside of them. We keep this part for ourselves. You know, this is our little fiefdom. Um, and, you know, you know, you, you've got absolutely no right to, 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 to invade us in, in, in that sense. Um, and much like in the rest of the world, um, I'm afraid England yeah. just can't help itself. <laughs> um, and um, it's, you know, and uh, it, re- repeatedly um, there are rogue incursions into those territories, which creates, um, you know, whole, whole new waves of, re- of resistance as well. Um, you know, and, and again, you know, at this point, you know, we, ha- we haven't even gotten to really, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, Cromwell, sure. uh, the, the, the civil wars, um, you know, um, the, uh, the, glori- the so-called glorious revolution, um, you know, yeah. So even before all this stuff, which might be slightly more well known at the push, you know, maybe someone's heard, you know, the Pogue song about, I mean, Oliver Cromwell or something. You know, that it's out. Those these instances are out there in sort of popular culture a little bit more. Uh, but there's, there's, you know, still so much before that as we've just discussed as well. So yeah, I mean, why, do, why don't you tell us a bit more about why Oliver Cromwell is is reviled so much in Ireland? Yeah. So um, yeah. So I mean to. This essentially all revolves around events in uh, Drogheda, um, which is a town in County Louth, um, and uh, it's um, in, in the September of 1649. Uh, Cromwell um, uh, perpetrates one of the worst uh, sort of massacres um, to ever take place on on Irish soil, and we're including um, you know sure. the likes of Bloody Sunday um, in that, and, um, and 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 many of the massacres that were perpetrated um, by various different sides in the um, in the Troubles as well. Um, so. Th- to sort of put this into context, the violence that is displayed by Cromwell um, and his forces here is um, is is by some estimation of modern academics considered to be, you know it would have been classed as a war crime even then um, uh, yeah. you know, even by 17th century standards so there's essentially um, you know there's um, a siege at Drogheda and another siege after that at Wexford um, and this is all sort of part of um, uh, what's known as the 11 years war which is sort of branched out into um, um, into Ireland it then becomes known as the war of three kingdoms it's a series of conflicts that basically takes place um, between various political ethnic and religious groups throughout uh, England Scotland and Ireland at this time um so essentially Cromwell um you know uh, ends up in Ireland because by the time he um uh, but you know the, the English Civil War starts um, and by the time that he becomes named Lord Lieutenant of Ireland you know at mm-hmm. the end of it in 1649 um you know Charles the 1st obviously been found guilty of treason executed by the English parliament um and then you know you've essentially got the, the breakdown into uh, you know uh, the royalist side and the parliamentarian side uh, obviously when the parliamentarians win the war they execute uh, Charles um and that alienates um uh, uh, both the Ulster Scots um, who are who are against right. the uh, the execution? Um, most of them, regardless of what side they're on, um, and as well as that, also um, there is um, uh, a, a, a group of royalists within Ireland as well, um, sort of um, Irish Confederates, uh, basically, um, and they align themselves with the Irish against the English Parliament. So Cromwell sets sail for Ireland um, to mm-hmm. quash this sort of new alliance and to reconquer uh, that, um, that, that that territory. Um, and then, essentially, what happens is the, uh, um, the royalists get together in in Drogheda. Um, they decide that they need to hold the uh, the, the town. Um, they uh, figure out that it's going to take just over two thousand uh, uh, royalists to do this. Um, and they think, right, we're going to you know prevent Cromwell from taking control of um, of, of all this part of Ireland, in particular the ports, which are very important economically, um, and and um, you know for for other reasons. So a siege begins when Cromwell arrives. Um, it's approximately you know uh, I think he's got about twelve thousand men. Um, you know. 
um, um, compared to their their, their two thousand odd. Um, it's a very well fortified town um, compared to many others um, in Ireland at the time. Um, there's a famous uh, quote by one of its. Um, by one of the sort of uh, uh, the gentry there um, who says that, you know, anyone that can take Drogheda mm-hmm. could take hell. Um, so it's considered to be very, you know, almost impenetrable. Um, and they, they were pretty confident that they'd be able to, you know, slow slow Cromwell down, um, you know, uh, and, and sort of cease his uh, forward march. But knowing this, um, you know... <sighs> Cromwell essentially um, he he uses heavy uh, you know heavy machinery. You're looking at sort of siege artillery, things of that nature, which is still sort of fairly new in, in modern warfare. Um, he, um, he 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 summons them to surrender, um, and that's rejected from inside the town walls. So there's a, a, a fresh bombardment after that, which is even more vicious. Um, and by that point, the the, you know, the, the town is, um, is is pretty much broken down and, and breached. By that point, that's two days later, um, so around September yeah. 11th, um, and the the uh, the troops storm the town. Um, and um, uh, you know, there's there's more than sort of six thousand men who who go through the, uh, the 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 walls of the uh, the fortification, and they essentially slaughter any resistance they find in front of them. And there's also um, a uh, a group of um, uh, soldiers on horseback, a cavalry unit, uh, and that literally lies to the opposite end um, of the fortification to is to prevent anyone from escaping. And it's not just combatants that get killed here. Um, there's you know Catholic priests. Um, there's various um, you know um, um, just completely innocent uh, sort of bystanders and those that become stranded within the, the fortification. Um, and there is um, a smaller group who barricade themselves into a church, and they are famously, or infamously, yeah. um, actually burned alive <clears throat> um, when Cromwell's troops decide to set fire at the church. So there's around two thousand mm. people that die in this um, in, in this ma- this massacre, um, you know, o- over several days, um, and that includes also, you know, I think most. Um, most uh, disgustingly, that also includes those who'd actually previously surrendered, right. um, you know, um, as well. So, you know, it's an incredibly vengeful, incredibly brutal um, um, attack. And it's it's one that's been made, I think, easier by a lot of propaganda spread during the civil wars. Um, you know, um, bear, bear in mind, this is at a time when, you know, communication is largely done through the, 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 the relatively modern um, mm-hmm. medium of the pamphlet. Um, so the political pamphlets become some of the first sort of self-published tracks that are available. And um, there is, you know, incredibly graphic images that are presented of, you know, um, uh, Catholics throughout Europe um, uh, rampaging and, um, you know, uh, murdering Protestants mm. in the most horrific ways and ripping babies mm. out of their bellies and eating them and all, and all this kind of stuff. You know, it's um, the basis of a lot of modern um, English anti-Catholic prejudice, I think, um, in, in a lot of ways. Um, so, yeah, that's the other uh, context for that. Um, and um, when you do sort of read further into that in particular, like I'm, I'm no expert on on this area. My expertise comes a little bit later, but it is um, it's it's pretty shocking in my modern standards. Yeah, that, that's the thing as well. It's really um, emblematic as well of the attitude that the English have had towards the Irish as well um, over this time, which is yeah, like you were saying as well. You know, like the way that it's treated the rest of its colonial subject as well, like almost a subhuman. They could kind of enact these acts of like tremendous you know, reprisals of violence. And, um, you know, this is, this is something that's, yeah, like been a, been a, been a feature of British colonialism around the world, right, afterwards. And, and, and of course, you know, sort of in the, in the 19th century, most famously, uh, we, we have the Great Famine, uh, you know, from 1845, when there was the, the, the potato blight. And obviously there's, there's, a, there's a growing population in Ireland at, at that point, which is like largely reliant on, on, on the potato crop. Uh, to subsist and mm. uh, this blight which originated from Mexico I believe yeah potato blights were very common at the time it wasn't yeah. Yeah. it wasn't something unusual in that sense the the thing that caused it really was this experiment in kind of laissez-faire 
economics you know yeah, it's at the yeah, yeah. you know the the time of of yeah. classical the kind of classical economic revolution you know like ricardian economics where you know there were the ideas like comparative advantage and ireland had been chosen as yeah this breadbasket this exporter of foods so despite having this massive surplus of all the staple foods they needed the ships kept exporting them as as people starved mm-hmm. it was um, yeah. i mean it was well, it was a genocide in many yeah. so i know it's quite a uh, you know, there's a lot of debate over that as a term, but I mean, it yeah. was a it was a very avoidable tragedy at the very least. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, um, there's there's various different phrases that are used for it. Um, yeah. engineered famine um, is one that seems to be a sort of um, I guess a, a happy medium, well, not an unhappy medium rather between um, you know um, a couple of the different uh, uh, variants. I mean, for me, it's 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 less. You know, when it comes to the famine, I'm I'm less bothered about sort of I guess what it's called in in that sense than 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 the fact that you know I think people in 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 England you know to fully understand the development of republicanism you absolutely have to get your head around the, mm-hmm. the, yeah. you know the, the famine um, you know Irish republicanism is is already a thing at this point um, you know um, it's you know um, it, it arrives at the same time as other forms of republicanism throughout Europe the, the rise of nationalism by the French Revolution in for example century like around. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But but also, you know, the the the, the rise of um of, of a form of kind of um, enlightenment yeah. secularism as well. Um, you know, um, and this is the fundamental thing to remember is that you know, um, um, it, you know, it, in the years before the famine, um, you know, there's already been the um the the United Irishman um, rebellion as well, um, which takes place in um in in 1798. Yeah. Um, and, and that's an attempt to found um you know a genuinely secular, independent Irish republic. Um, you know, along the lines of France. Um, you know, or, or something mm-hmm. similar. Um, so that, that 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 tradition already exists, you know. Yeah. Um, and then, um, but between that and getting to the famine, you know, um, uh, you know, you, the, the famine then acts as this sort of you know horrendous sort of like a harrowing bridge, you know, between that uh, that um, uh, era of, Repu- of republicanism and the next, um, because you know this is um this is um something that affects you know, a million people and another million and a half emigrated to America. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and various mm-hmm. other places as well. So. This is this is a very 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 visceral trauma, um, you know. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm speaking to you from England now because you know because of this. Yeah. You know, I, I, my family would probably, or my mum's side of the family would probably mm-hmm. still be in Ireland. You know, if you go back because it, go, you know, if you go back that far enough. So, and the thing is as well is that after the famine, um, you know, when when the Irish sort of um, you know uh, 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 landless class um, and um, you know the, uh, the 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 farm working class essentially the small um, sort of um, uh, farm holders that are farming yeah. for subsistence you know on um, on on and, and paying you know extortionate amounts of rent mm-hmm. to to landlords um, this creates um, you know a group of um, of republicans who um, you know go off in various different directions but um, you know this is the uh, the nucleus of the formation of um, you know eventually the um, uh, the Irish Republican Brotherhood, um, um, which is um, a secret organisation which um, is involved in the organising of, um, of of Easter night uh, of uh, the Easter Rising in nineteen sixteen, so it goes all the way through there. That there's that thread. Um, it's actually only um, uh, disbanded um, uh, uh, after uh, the um, the War of Independence, um, and um, also the uh, the the organising and the resistance of the Land League um, and figures like Michael Devitt as well, where there is um, you know um, a serious um, uh, sort of uh, 
class-based um, struggle happening in terms of um, you know refusing to pay extortionate rents, refusing to take over the land of those that um, have been um, forced out by other landlords. Um, there is um, you know um, intimidation um, and, and violence towards landlords um, yeah. um, during that time as well. So the famine really is you know there's the, the, there's a reason that it changes the demographics entirely. Um, but after everything that Ireland's already experienced. You know, um, after you know all the the uprisings that have been put down, um, this really does act as um, you know the um, uh, the point at which a, a new generation of Republicans afterwards say, you know, <laughs> it, it, it utterly entrenches their 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 desire to see the overturning of British rule in Ireland by force. Yeah, you know? yeah, definitely, and and that's the thing as well. I mean, like looking at this history, like I was saying, you know, you can just constantly see parallels and you can like every single thing that you see, you're like, oh, where have I seen this before? You know? And, um, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, in this case, obviously, you know, like when you look at the, the, the Bengal famine in, in 1942, uh, then, mm. uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a very similar situation as well. I mean, in the sense that it was very much an engineered and, and manufactured famine that like there was, it's, you know, that there was surplus grain which was being kept in storehouses by the British and it was being rerouted supposedly for British troops and never actually even used for that, uh, you know, on the, on, the, on the front lines. And in the end, you know, three million people starved. But three million people in Bengal was like a relatively small portion of a million people in, in Ireland when where the total population at the time was what, like six or seven, maybe like eight million or something like that, right? So like it was like more than 10% of the population mm-hmm. at the time um, that died. I think... Also, the logic of that is they they kind of portray an an air of inevitability about it, especially in the case of the Great Famine. You know, Mm. the the argument was, like I said, it was at the heyday of Ricardian economics, Mm -hmm. this idea that it's natural. We can't interfere in this in this Mm -hmm. natural operation of the market. It would it's too Mm -hmm. dangerous, whereas. You know, at this time, they were also fighting, you know, back to back opium wars just to get a more favorable yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, trade policy in the Far East as well. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's fraught with just massive contradictions and hypocrisy as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's it's also, so, you know, and, and this notion of things being in, in, inevitable, you know, this notion that um, the, Irish, that, that the Irish are somehow locked into this inevitable sort of series of historical sort of like um, acts, you know, that, 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 yeah. that there is no cure for. Uh, you know that um, that is something which comes back hugely yeah. Um, yeah. Um, in the troubles as well. You know, um, and, and and really undergirds the um, the completely erroneous premise that is presented by the British government throughout the conflict, and which still has purchased with many people in the UK now in, in England. Um, you know, which is that uh, uh, that this was an ancient ethno-religious conflict uh, in which the Brit- in which the British were you know neutral arbiters uh, who were simply peacekeepers. You know, because oh goodness, you know you, you can't let these uh, you know despite the historical evidence. Of the contrary you can't let these people um, these 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 warring tribes here you know uh, uh, um you know uh, uh, not be separated because god they'll tear each other apart you know it's it's the, the and, it's, and, Irish, that, you know? and like that um, is exactly the same as the present situation in 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 israel and palestine yeah, for example yeah. you know like this is it's not some ancient religious mm-hmm. conflict yeah it's the same fucking situation in india between hindus and muslims it's yeah. not some ancient fucking conflict it's a yeah. it's a pretty like relatively modern oh, political yeah. conflict uh, you know, which which is largely the product of British colonial rule in these areas and in which, you know, these kind of sectarian and communitarian uh, division lines were very much stoked and very much, uh, you know, uh, exacerbated by the British in order to maintain their own uh, power in the in these places. And obviously, you know, years after they 
officially left, the remnants of that are still very fucking visible, you know, and, and are very, very, very well felt, let's just say. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. The, yeah, the, that, that's the thing as well, like you were saying, you know, like, I mean, I mean in terms of how these uh, material conditions give rise to different, you know, forms of politics and, and, and the famine uh, in Ireland obviously gave um, gave rise to like a new generation of republicanism, which is really what led up to, um, you know, uh, 1916, which is, uh, you know, like you were saying, the Easter Rising, you know, at, at that point, obviously, there were, the British were arming, like, loyalists in in Ulster in particular, um, and in response, so you had the, uh, the the Ulster volunteers, and they were being armed by the British state, um, and uh, you had the Irish volunteers as well, uh, by the start of the First World War, and, and mm. um when the First World War started, like a lot of people from Ireland went off to fight for the British in the First World War, right? And um, for obvious reasons, that that was the time when um, there were a, a group of people from within the. Um, well, was it were they all in the Irish Republican Brotherhood, or um, were they? No, 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 not necessarily. Um, I mean, so it's yeah. I mean, Patrick, Patrick Pierce uh, was sort of, uh, understand was, this, I guess. Uh, in the IRB, wasn't he? He, yeah. he he was sworn in eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, the, the best the best way to sort of think about this, I think, um, and uh, is to sort of um, uh, to sort of, first of all uh, outline what happened and then look at the the sort of nature of it. So obviously, the um, the, the these rising is um, an insurrection that takes place um, uh, um, um, across um, uh, Easter week, April twenty fourth until April thirtieth in nineteen sixteen, um, and um, the um, uh, 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 the Irish volunteers um, along with the Irish Citizen Army, which is led by the um, the great socialist mm-hmm. and trade unionist James Connolly. Um, um, and uh, the, uh, the 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 women's nationalist group, um, the sort of uh, the, the equivalent of the Irish Volunteers for for women volunteers, are coming to man. Um, they um, take over strategic posts um, in uh, in Dublin. Uh, the GPO, um, uh, for example, uh, yeah. is, is the famous one. That's the General Post Office. Um, and um, and know, they proclaim this is before there is well. um, a, a log. Yeah, they, I mean, yeah, they, they, they proclaim independence. Patrick Pierce famously reads out um, the uh, the proclamation, um, um, you know, um, um, on the front steps of the GPO. Uh, they barricade themselves in. They bar- uh, barricade themselves in various other points of the city as well. Um, so this is before, you know, this is um, quite an old fashioned kind of um, um, notion of, of warfare that comes from um, kind of v- veterans like uh, Conley himself, who served in the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the British Army briefly. Um, that you know, you take a position, you defend it. Um, this is, um, you know, one of the things that uh, you know. The, the 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 ease i suppose um, not not to say that there wasn't incredibly courageous fighting put up by the other volunteers because there absolutely was uh, but the um the the ease at which the british were able mm-hmm. to um, sort of crush the rebellion um is is influential on on, on future militant um, uh, waves of republicanism because um you know it, it dictates to them you know this this is what um, the, the big lesson that michael collins gets for example who who is who, mm-hmm. is, who is a volunteer um uh, uh, you know um uh, for the volunteers yeah. is involved in the rising um you know he understands after this that if, if if there's going to be a war against the, the British, yeah. it's going to have to be a modern guerrilla war, a modern you know um, uh, largely um, urban uh, uh, guerrilla war. Um, so yeah, um, you know uh, essentially you know you, you're right that the run up to this is that the um, the Irish Volunteers are formed like you said in um, in in 1913 and they're formed in response to um, uh, the um, the blocking of uh, mm-hmm. of of home rule, yeah, um, you know um, of self government because the Ulster Volunteers are formed uh, to oppose yeah. um, any form of home rule for Ireland by uh, by arms. Um, uh, and they are um, 
supported in the uh, in the British Parliament by Andrew Bonal Law, the Conservative leader, um, who is incredibly vocal, um, um, even by the standards of, of his you know sort of right wing contemporaries at the time, um, in declaring that um, you know um, if, uh, if 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 Ulster um, is if the status of Ulster within the empire is um, is um, uh, uh, you know uh, is is threatened because there is a majority of of Protestants in that area, um, then um, you know uh, he 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 basically threatens um, outright insurrection um, um, in Parliament, and he's also instrumental in um, in campaigning for the uh, the arming um, of the uh, the Ulster Volunteers as well. Um, so at this point, you've got two separate sort of entities. I mean, in the north, you've got the Ulster Volunteers who are mobilising to oppose Home Rule by force of arms, and then you've got the um, the Irish Volunteers, um, it, it, largely in the south, but they do exist in the north as well, um, who are there to um, to to you know to 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 defend uh, um, um, Irish Home Rule. But then you get a split in the volunteers after the outbreak of the First World War. Um, you get the National Volunteers and the Irish Volunteers. National Volunteers are led by the um, leader of the Irish Parliamentary mm-hmm. Party, John Redmond. Um, at this point, uh, the Home Rule Bill, um, as it exists at all, is one that is being supported in the English Parliament uh, by um, uh, constitutional nationalists. So the Irish Parliamentary Party is a you know, constitutional yeah. nationalist organisation. Um, but they pledge to support the British war effort. Um, and uh, you know, there's, uh, I think around 30,000 of them joined the British Army. The remaining sort of Rump, I guess, of uh, you know twelve, twelve odd thousand or whatever it is. Um, they're led by a guy called Owen McNeil, uh, and they're committed to keeping that organisation intact and in Ireland. Um, you yeah. know, they tell their members you don't go to war, um, you stay in Ireland yeah. until this bill is passed. Um, so, the rising itself. Uh, gets planned um, it, in secret because the nature of the Irish Republican Brotherhood um, is, is is a secret organisation. You know, it's deliberately a kind of secret, um, I hesitate to say vanguardist, but it, it is a, it's a secret organisation um, uh, which um, forms its own military council to sort of organise this rise. And they decided enough is enough. Um, you know, um, uh, England's weakness is Ireland's strength. Um, England is caught up in, you know, Britain's mm-hmm. caught up in the, uh, the First World War at this point. Let's let's strike now uh, while, you know, in their eyes, thinking resources are thin. Uh, they think they can tap up um you know various different um uh, uh, sort of allies in, in germany and other places to perhaps provide weapons and things like that so um, they decide that time is right to take a stand and um the the seven signatories on on that proclamation and i hate to make this about you know the, 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 the great <laughs> men of history and all this sort of stuff but uh but but we, we don't have much time and this is an easy way in for people right so the seven people that signed that proclamation um, represent different parts of the of the Irish Republican movement. There, so you've got um, uh, Tom Clark um, uh, and Sean McDermott. Um, Sean McDermott, to give him his, uh, his Irish name, um, and um, they really represent sort of old school Fenianism. They represent, you know, um, uh, the sort of uh, the Irish Republicans that would have been, um, you know, um, engaging in dynamiting campaigns mm. in Victorian Britain, for example. Um, uh, Tom Clark himself spent many, many years in, 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 a, in, a, in a British jail and was subject to solitary confinement um, um, and, and suffered for the rest of his life from terrible things that had been inflicted on him there. And he is um, in the GPO while it's, you know, while the shots are being fired and while things are, you know, <laughs> While 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 explosions are going off, while people are dying, um, and he's there as you know, mm-hmm. he, he's he's a pretty old guy, and Sean McDermott is a lot younger than him, and he is. Um a sort of um, he, he sort of learned um, a mm-hmm. lot from uh, from Clark. He's brought him into the movement, um, and these two represent um, sort of you know the IRB and, and Fenianism. Um, sort of Patrick Pearce, who's obviously extremely well known uh, for, for being you know the, yeah. the head of this provisional government, um, and you know um, and, and the reader of the proclamation. Um, he is um, an uh, Irish language enthusiast. He's um, 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 involved in the cultural. Wasn't he a revival. teacher? Um, he... He's an educator. Yeah. A... He was. 
Yeah. yeah, he's an educator. He set up um, a school called St. Enders, which was um, to instill mm-hmm. um, nationalist values. Um, and f- for the time, um, certainly not thinking about it now, but certainly for the time, um, a progressive mm-hmm. uh, sort of form of teaching, um, uh, um, you know, uh, amongst his students. So so him, uh, Joseph Plunkett um, and Thomas McDonough, mm-hmm. who were both um, cultural figures, and um, McDonough himself had actually taught at, at St. Enders for a little bit. Um, they are sort of figures mm-hmm. from the Gaelic mm-hmm. cultural revival. They're, yeah. uh, they're poets, they're playwrights as well. Um, and and then you've got um, James Conley um, representing um, Labour and, and the working class, who's, um, you know, been previously critical of Irish nationalism in, in many ways. You know, he's a class first um, uh, uh, socialist. Yeah. He's a Marxist. He's an anti-imperialist. Um, and um, uh, he is basically there. Um, you know, I don't want to go into this in too much depth, but he, he's basically there uh, because he feels that um, if this is going to happen, there mm-hmm. needs to be a socialist presence. <laughs> there needs to be someone, you know, arguing for the privacy <laughs> of, the, of, of, the, of, of the working class in, the, in this. So, um He's brought on board as well, uh, and um, uh, yeah. So um, you know, I've, I've I've been very cruel about Eamon Kant, who everyone always leaves off because he's probably the one that is uh, he's known known about the least. Uh, but he's an interesting figure as well. He is um, uh, um, uh, a piper, um, a musician, um, and very involved in the sort of cultural side of it as well. So that's the three sort of elements of, of Republicanism that come together um, to organise the, uh, the, uh, the the rebellion um, um, in Easter. No, I'm no, sorry no. If that was a bit <laughs> Definitely, that, that, that's very interesting, and and. Uh, um, yeah, and of course, uh, yeah, like you were saying, I mean, it was a, it was a, the rising itself lasted for from Monday till Saturday, um, and yeah, like the the um, nationalists sort of famously failed to secure like the train stations and the dockyards, so they failed to actually prevent reinforcements of, of the British, and like eventually, like sixteen thousand British soldiers were brought back into into Dublin, and uh, they, it was being shelled by warships, and yeah. Um, yeah, it was basically turned into a into a war zone. Civilian casualties were piling up, and that's when Connolly and Pierce basically decided that they had to surrender. And uh, fifteen yeah. of the leaders were summarily executed, and, and um, that was really like it. It wasn't really even up until the execution, right? That like that it really sparked off the the, the wave of nationalism and the recruitment search for the, the well, eventually what became the IRA. Yeah, because, I mean, I think the only two people who were spared execution were Eamon de Valera and um, Constance Markovitz. Yeah. Um, and you know the, the the executions themselves are you know like you say I think I think this can be exaggerated a little bit um, uh, um, sometimes um, you know the, the the orthodox sort of reading of this is generally that um, there was next to no support uh, mm-hmm. uh, for mm-hmm. the uprising amongst the public um, that, that that famously the volunteers were mm-hmm. um, you know spat in the street when they were um, mm-hmm. when they were brought out to surrender that kind of thing and I think to a certain extent that that you know the, 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 there mm-hmm. was that feeling absolutely um, but there was also I think a feeling as well of kind of perhaps mm-hmm. um, um, indifference uh, kind of kind of perhaps um, uh, weariness for you know the fact that uh, yeah. you know people are in the middle of the war um you know um uh, uh, that kind of thing uh, so it isn't quite as clear cut as that and there is still this undercurrent this tradition of people that might you know support the sentiment but think maybe mm-hmm. the time's not yeah. right whatever but you're right the, the executions are part of a series of blunders by the british including trying mm-hmm. to introduce conscription into ireland as well which mm-hmm. is completely disastrous as well um and you know that really does when you think about it you know i mean james conley was was injured yeah. severely um, um, in the fighting um, and, yeah. and couldn't walk um, and was you know strapped basically you know was was carried mm. in on the stretcher um, and, and and you know and, and unable to walk or stand and and, and was shot 
Um, so, you know, um, <laughs> when, you, when you think about that, um, it's, you know, it, it's no wonder that, you know, a sentiment begins to, to turn in, in the yeah. volunteers' favour. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an extraordinary series of, of events, which, um, you know, the groundwork has been laid, uh, laid for many, you know, many years before, but which, you know, uh, Br- British kind of um, recalcitrance and, and sort of idiocy mm. um, uh, also, you know, uh, plays into this as well. And, you know, within... You know, within um, like three or four years, um, you're looking at um, an election that takes place in which um, Irish constitutional nationalists, um, their, um, their, their, you know, their, their hold over the, uh, the the population politically is completely destroyed, um, and um, you know, a majority of people within uh, that time frame uh, are, have eventually, you know, voted f- uh, for mm-hmm. a Republican Party um, which seeks to secede entirely from um, the uh, from yeah. uh, fr- fr- from Britain. Um, so yeah, public opinion turned spectacularly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Sinn Fein <laughs> won a landslide in 1918, and uh, yeah, I mean that that sort of laid the groundwork for the War of Independence from 1920 to 1922. Um, and well, partition happened in 1920, right? I mean, I always get the the exact um, sequence of events a little bit mixed up there, but like partition happened in in 1920, I believe, um, when British mandated that they would keep the the six counties in the north, um, five of well, which are yeah, I mean, it's, um, majority. I mean, it's, Derry is not Derry is actually still Catholic majority, right? It's not so much about um, is is there a majority you know unionist population in this area? Although most you know many of the cases that that there was at the time, um, you know, but it's about how 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 can we control yeah. the, uh, the the this overall it, minority it, yeah. population of this new statelet, right? You know, and and I think um, yeah, you know, a- any claims that uh, you know that, uh, that 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 loyalists might have had um, to have been uh, you know um, 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 simply you know engaging in an act of self preservation is, is completely shown up by the fact that you know that there's actually a, a boundary commission established um, uh, at the end of the War of Independence um, um, around 1924, um, and that's basically established to sort of demarcate the geographical and political borders of this new state. And the loyalist grandees they are op- offered the opportunity for you know a larger territorial section of the northwest they're offered nine counties mm. instead of six and that's also going to include monaghan donegal mm-hmm. and, C- and cavan um now that's rejected in favor of the six counties because the loyalists of empire can guarantee yeah. their political yeah, domination yeah. and the economic and systemic oppression mm. of the populace in that area and they do that you know through um through essentially rotten boroughs gerrymandering um and um, um and essentially a, a, yeah. an apartheid system when it comes to um employment um and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and housing and things you know and uh, that's the thing and and uh, you know as we sort of move towards the years leading up to you know the late 60s and the civil rights movement uh you know like even after ireland gets independence and becomes a a republic in 1922 from that point in in the north uh, i mean that that same sort of system of of repression and um yeah apartheid essentially continues right and and in a place like Derry, it's it's even more apparent because it is a catholic majority place which is being very much dominated and um Dom- dominated by this 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 minority Protestant ruling yeah. class, um, you know, based on these sectarian lines. But yeah, people are literally being kept in ghettos yeah. and and uh, and uh, yeah, denied job opportunities based on based on whether they're Catholic and uh, yeah, housing as well. And what well, what what was the situation as well? Right, that, like you you would only you would only be allowed to vote 
uh, if you were a tenant of a house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, 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 all sorts of kind of um, uh, uh, sort of um, you know, increasingly um, um, obviously unjust and sort of like um, um, and even sort of like more arcane attempts through sort of like certain types of like you know local um, lo- local legislation to, to just make everything yeah. more difficult in terms yeah. of like representation um, for the, uh, the sort of the Catholic nationalist um, uh, uh, minority. And I mean, you know, Derry, which obviously we're going to be speaking about at much more length um, um, shortly. Um, you know, the the, the the prehistory of Derry before um, uh, uh, Bloody Sunday is really important here because, you know, it's the, the social and political composition of, of Derry had basically been, you know, for centuries... I suppose one of the, the the most obvious examples of this sort of um of this very real and very you know oppressive uh but artificialized you know created unionist domination over this majority catholic yeah. uh, population um so yeah. it's you know it's it's constituency boundaries are sort of managed in in favor of those loyal to the state by like I said gerrymandering uh, systemic discrimination mm-hmm. in housing and employment and there's this like dual and sort of e- economic yeah. and political process um that um you know, uh, John Hume famously sort of said that uh, that Derry, at the point just before Bloody Sunday, had the worst electoral injustices mm-hmm. in all yeah. of Western Europe. Um, so you know that 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 sort of speaks speaks to that. You know, and even even if we go back to the sort of symbolism of of, of Derry and, and why it's so important um, um, uh, for, for for not just Republicans actually, but but, but loyalists as well. Um, you know, it, it's initially this kind of like small um, uh, settlement clustered around a monastery on mm. the banks of the Foyle, um, and then you get the Tudor conquest of Ireland and English royals and nobles want to control this area. It's a strategic priority. There's several unsuccessful rebellions against English um, uh, domination, like you mentioned earlier, and. And during the plantation, um, there are the, the, the city's west bank is sort of given to the crown. Or sort of the, sorry, the crown gives the city's west bank to something called the Honourable Irish Society. Now, that's just a, a London-based, you know, financial consortium, <laughs> like a quango, basically. It's established, to, you know, to to organise the colonisation of the city, and, and it's responsible for renaming the city Londonderry. Um, uh, you know, um, and despite the fact that you know a lot of Protestants actually and Unionists in the city will simply refer to it as Derry and yeah. you know disregard the the prefix, but that still operates as a kind of symbol of where your political allegiances lie. You know, whether you say Derry or Londonderry, and you know the, the Honourable Irish Society, like they they actually. They're responsible for for building the famous mm-hmm. uh, city walls in in Derry, um, and as as far as symbols go of kind of like domination, you know that, the, the, those walls and that fortification on the hill, it's you know magnificent thing to look at. But that, that's built with the explicit purpose of providing you know a, a fortified protection mm-hmm. for English and Scottish yep. planters. Um, and and as that city grow, you know, as as it grows, the native ca- Catholic population that amalgamates in various. Um, you know, um, as, as you've described in ghettos beneath the walls, that they're often on you know treacherous and and, and incredibly difficult uh, land. Yeah. The Bogside, for example, is named as such because that was the only place that you know that that, that nationalists mm. and Catholics were able to settle there. Um, you know, it's marshy, mm. inhospitable terrain, and that's where that that grows from. Um, and you know, you've also got. Um, and this is why I think you know um, uh, it becomes this this flashpoint um, for civil rights because this city is also a really symbolic and important one for loyalists. Um, so you know, in 1689, there's the siege of Derry. Um, it's a, 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 the first sort of major outbreak of conflict in the Williamite War, um, and that that that's triggered when the city gates are closed by a group of young apprentices who want to halt the advance of Jacobite forces. Um, the city holds out until naval sort of reinforcements uh, uh, arrive and, and supplies come, um, and then that's celebrated um, by um, the 
regular parades that yeah. go through, you know, primarily Catholic districts by the Apprentice Boys of Derry, who are a fraternal loyalist organization, um, to commemorate that siege. And, you know, to, to this day, uh, th- uh, those marches are considered by nationalists and Republicans as incredibly provocative, um, quite offensive. So, so yeah. And, um, you know, just to sort of finish up on, on, on this part about the, uh, the sort of prehistory of Derry before um, Bloody Sunday, this is where also some historians, um, um, it's contested now, but certainly used to um, suggest the, uh, the troubles proper uh, uh, break out um, because, you know, there's a rising movement for civil rights. Um, and in August 1969, the Apprentice Boys, the, you know, the, the, the descendant fraternal organisation of uh, the, the lawless that barricaded the doors um, uh, uh, back in the 1600s, um, they and their police escorts, and they yeah. are escorts, so they are, I, I might add, uh, uh, clash with... Um, a group called mm. the Derry Citizens Action Committee um, after after one of these parades, um, and this is a, a, a you know a, a communal uprising starts. Um, the Battle of the Bogside begins. Um, uh, that's a rioting that spreads to Catholic communities beyond Derry, um, and you know re- resistance to this um, grossly um, yeah. unequal system, and also the fact that you know this is a system which is um, in which you know uh, the majority uh, population, many of whom are involved in you know. Um, huge amounts of, of sectarian violence from the, the 1920s onwards um, in Belfast are recruited directly into a specialised local police force um, who almost exclusively police uh, uh, nationalists and, and, and Catholics in, in incredibly um, yeah. uh, violent and, and sectarian ways. Um, so yeah, even before we get to Bloody Sunday, um, the, the Derry is just hugely symbolic in, 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 in just about every yeah, way Yeah, I mean, the imagine. Battle of the Bogside, from what I understand, that was really the instigating incident that, that got the British to send in troops into into Northern yeah. Ireland, right, in 1969. Because it was like yeah, yeah. a situation that was politically clearly just unravelling at that point. And um, uh, yeah, because obviously before that, like I, like we mentioned, there was a, a growing civil rights movement, which was in, inspired obviously by the civil rights movement mm-hmm. in the in the US. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, like you were saying, you know, like the what civil rights they were actually fighting for, <laughs> like there's almost been like a, quite a concerted effort to... Um, to actually uh, to, to obscure that, but yeah, I mean, it's just the fact that I mean, their basic democratic rights were taken away. I mean, they, it was like their main demand was one person, one vote. You know, like, it, you know, Catholics basically were denied the vote in in an equal way, uh, and that's how, especially like the Protestant minority, managed to maintain its control in in a place like Derry, for example. But but on top of that as well, like you were saying, you know, like this this system of um, of, of of segregation and uh, and oppression. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, there, there was obviously a, a rising sort of movement against, and in response to that, that that those first marches for civil rights in in Derry in 1969, uh, I mean, entire Catholic neighborhoods were burned down to the ground in, in places like Belfast, right? And um, and uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. and and a lot of this stuff was, of course, uh, seen over and and very much supported, and and yeah, like assisted by by the the, um, the 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 police and and the, the auxiliaries and uh, again like you know like when, when you're looking at you know like for example the shit that happened in in Gujarat in 2002 uh, when Modi was the the chief minister mm. of Gujarat uh, when you look at what happened in Delhi in in the beginning of 2020 very similar kinds of things you know <laughs> like of yeah. of of sort of uh, basically a pogrom and 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 you know yeah. states state sanctioned pogrom and, and the, the police basically, you know, like stand there and either 
watch and do nothing or in many cases actually participate in the violence and and, and assist the mobs and give them escorts yeah you know so um well the yeah, yeah the the military theorists uh frank kitson he oversaw the the occupation in northern yeah. ireland and his his sort of contribution to military theory is this idea of low intensity operations so it's not you know, it's not a war that lasts days or weeks or months. It's uh, it's an occupation over decades. And the, the most yeah. efficient, the easiest way to administer that is to essentially just recruit the biggest psychopaths in the local area. And invariably, you know, like far, far right uh, paramilitary leaders, warlords, and just just outsource all the work to them. And, you know, this is yeah. this remains a kind of cornerstone of uh, large scale occupation to this Counter, day. Counterinsurgency. Counterinsurgency, yeah. Uh, tactic, exactly. Yeah. Like well, when you look at what happened like uh, after the Iraq war, yeah. the counterinsurgency yeah, yeah, yeah. there, just some of the worst people on the planet were just uh, put in charge of... Um, you know, give given free reign to do what they want. This was this was very much, um, very very much the brainchild of Frank Kitson and the yeah the the Ulster Defence Forces. They they've obviously got a string of, of serious murders. The um, <laughs> so it was the Ulster uh, Volunteer Forces who who killed Pat Finnegan, um, who was mm. a lawyer. Uh, a lawyer uh, that, that, that that was that that was the UDA actually. Oh right, okay, yeah. Uh, but yep. generally, sort of uh, emboldened paramilitaries in Northern Ireland, who we know now, uh, we now know were you know, fully embedded into the British state and were yeah. supported financially and in terms of administration by the British state at the time. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. You know, but again, this comes back to, and this is what people have to understand about this is like, you know, this, um, this, this tendency. You know that you know what what Kitson is doing is that he's building on the counterinsurgency operations that he's been involved in and that he's um uh, uh you know uh, uh, written about um you know um, himself um uh, in Kenya um in yeah. um in um, uh, Malaysia Malaya. yeah Malaya yeah and and, and and various other places um and so you know again this is this this comes back to the fact that this is a state that is founded not by a bunch of like you know um provincial politicians who are suddenly thrust into the limelight this is a state that is founded. By um, you know the likes of uh, of James Craig, a multi-millionaire whiskey magnate who's been in the British in, in the in the British cabinet. Um, yeah. You know, you know, before he he served in the British cabinet. Edward Carson serves um, um, as um, in in the cabinet um, as, as as an attorney during the the, the First World War coalition. Um, you know, and 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 these are the men um, who you know uh, who 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 go on to to found, especially in Craig's uh, uh, um, you know. Um, 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 example the 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 state uh, you know the, the statelet and you know these forms of discrimination and these forms of like um, you know violent um, policing from like the, the repressive arms of the state they are yeah. they, they don't they don't just develop you know to use a word that you know Keir Starmer seems to be fond of now they don't just unfold they don't unfold <laughs> you know they they, they, they they don't just unfold you know they're, they're baked into the very you know yeah. the the, the yeah, logic yeah. and and the the birth of the state you know um, uh, and and it is and, it is I mean. I mean, it is it is the first real example of like settler colonialism, really. You know, when you yeah. think about it, and it was like a forced settler colonialism, basically, in, for the interests of uh, another state, essentially. Uh, and uh, uh, and and it's yeah, like you were saying, like it's a, it's, a, it's like a, it's a, almost like a laboratory for like the way the settler colonialism has has developed over the you know following centuries uh, around the world, and and how that that attitude has sort of remained. Um, 
and in both in terms of you know like the people sort of loyal to it and 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 how it's sort of governed and pleased uh, internally, but also uh, in terms of how you know the how how that that form of colonial control was actually maintained within and and yeah like you were saying as well that like Frank Kitson's way of uh, of sort of like dealing with um, resistance in Northern Ireland was like basically to make it as brutal as possible yeah. um, and uh, yeah, yeah and like, I mean, like like you said the, the parallels aren't just ideological they are very practical as well when you look at yeah. Yeah, things like the five techniques which were uh, mm. developed in Operation Demetrius you know things which are used in Guantanamo Bay, you know, in Iraq, Afghanistan. Mm. It's, um, mm. it, it, it's the, it's so vast, the sort of parallels. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And, and uh, yeah, so, I mean, obviously, um, speaking of that, I mean, like, it's, uh, you know, like very, very soon after the British actually arrived in 1969, I mean, they were sort of engaged in pitched street battles uh, against the, the IRA and the provisional IRA who had sort of split off from the IRA because the the original IRA had sort of committed themselves more to parliament, par, parliamentary republicanism am i correct and uh, the provisional yeah. IRA basically said no no we need we need to, we need more sort of militancy and we need to you know take the the the, the front foot basically against against the british yeah i i, I mean sort of i mean um you know to sort of um uh, to sort of did, did, just uh, give people an idea of of the split that occurs. Um, the, um, the the provisionals, um, like like you said, they they break off at the end of nineteen sixty nine um, and begin to sort of militarily um, really begin um, uh, becoming a sort of um, a force um, at the start of, of nineteen seventy. Um, and the the flashpoint uh, for the that you know that triggers this uh, this split. Um, is basically um, discussions and policies that are beginning to be enacted by the um, the the Republican movement, so the um, uh, so Sinn Fein um, um, and uh, the the IRA as the military wing, um, which has become under the influence of um, some um, um, sort of um, external. Um, uh, you know, um, uh, historians, uh, academics, um, uh, theorists, uh, likes of um, uh, Roy Johnson, for example, um, who who come from a, a Marxist background and have this kind of stagist um, uh, uh, reading of how history works. Um, it's quite a sort of formal mm-hmm. uh, Marxist reading of, of how history works, and 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 they and and they, they basically, I mean, you know, because the the IRA since the sort of War of Independence, um, you know, um, has um, has has continued uh, to to uh, to wage various different forms of resistance against British rule. Um, it's then oppressed in the south as well by um you know it's uh, it's former comrades um uh, yeah. as well which um you know uh, we're not going to too much but essentially the the split happens over the subject of um of whether or not um the concept of um abstentionism um uh, should remain so the concept that um uh, you know um, any republican that is elected to office will not take their seats in westminster yeah. for example like Sinn Féin still don't um mm-hmm. uh, but not yeah. just that in the uh, in 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 the south as well in Le- in leinster house uh, because that mm-hmm. is um, not um, con- considered by republicans to be a legitimate state it's considered to be um 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 uh, an incomplete state um you know mm-hmm. if, if the north isn't involved and if it's not all ireland then that's yeah. not the republican ideal um yeah. so yeah. so so that, that's kind of why the split happens but it, it also happens, you know. I think there's um, there's kind of a misconception on the birth of the provisionals in the north that they're this fundamentally conservative movement that's composed of traditionalists that are kind of dismayed at this increasingly Marxist turn of the southern leadership. Um, now that's 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 true for a sort of a portion of the northern provisional leadership at the outset of the troubles, um, but um, you know, it's actually. Uh, 
there's an awful lot of people that join the provisionals because um, it, this is about uh, material circumstances and a rapidly unfolding series of events, um, and they think mm. that um, you know uh, that the, 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 the absolute priority needs to be military resistance. Um, you know, mm. um, especially after things like the Battle of the Bogside, especially after people start being mm. shot by the army, um, that military mm. resistance has to be at the forefront, um, and that you know, uh, and that rearming, that retraining um, has to be the priority, and that the and that the North in particular needs to be have its nationalist areas defended. Um, and that the South is too busy thinking about moving into more um, uh, different forms of social activism, building a long-term sort of um, political base, and that that's all well and good. But actually, I'm a, I'm a teenager in Derry, or I'm a teenager in Belfast, or, or Tyrone, or wherever, and, you know, I've seen my mates being beaten up every day. I've seen them being shot at by the police. Yeah. I've seen lawless mobs come after them. You know, am I going to throw my entire time into building, you know, the stagist, perfect Marxist revolution, or am I going to join the group that's got the guns that's out there doing the fighting? Yeah. Um, you know, so mm-hmm. um, that's a, a very... <laughs> a very simplified version of, of, of the split. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and um, and and yeah, like uh, uh, as we were saying, sort of as the British occupation from nineteen sixty nine through seventy continued. I mean, it was a case of uh, yeah, like curfews being imposed, uh, young Irish, young Catholic men in particular being uh, arrested and just picked up um, for being suspected of being IRA militants. Basically, martial law. Uh, I mean, it wasn't technically martial law, but it kind of was at that point, right? And um, it was in 1971 when the first British soldier actually was killed that, again, in very, very proportionate response. Again, it just reminds me so much of Israel-Palestine, like when like one Israeli soldier gets killed like after they've like like terrorized Palestinians for, for God knows how long, then they decide, okay, now we're going to have an entire, we're going to just flatten Gaza, you know? So yeah, like the British um, introduced yeah. the, the internment law, uh, which basically allows the, the state to imprison people indefinitely um, and without the due legal process. It was very specifically being targeted at Catholic areas. And, and of course, the first three days of internment uh resulted in in what is known as the Valley Murphy massacre in in, in the the Valley Murphy estate in, in, yeah. in Belfast um and that the Valley Murphy massacre in many ways was like a real precedent to what happened in Bloody Sunday right yeah um, in terms of it, like very in, in very real terms as well because of course the first battalion parachute regiment one mm. para which perpetrated Bloody Sunday they were involved in the Valley Murphy massacre as well like less than six yeah, months. Ago. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, so if you can imagine, you know, the the sight of those troops from that regiment, um, you know, um, on, on the streets in in Derry on on that day, um, when people are already fully aware of what's happened in Bally Murphy, yeah. um, you know, um, um, it's you, you can imagine how, yeah. how how scary that would be, and you can imagine how also how angry that 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 would make you, you know, um, and this is yeah. the point about internment is that there's mm. there's li- there's little attempt made to disguise, yeah, yeah. you know, the, the fact that internment is. It's 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 a policy of discrimination and oppression targeted at nationalists and, and republicans with um, that that is you know uh, that is enacted with poor intelligence outdated intelligence that means that the the majority of those that are the vast majority of those that are picked mm. up have either never had any involvement in militant republicanism at all or are retired from the movement or simply hold you know mm-hmm. a republican opinion <laughs> you, you know um, and um, I think this is sort of demonstrated by the fact that loyalist paramilitaries yeah. you know. Um, the largest of which is the UDA. That, the, the UDA remains a legal organization until 1992. 
and, it, and it's been engaged in, mm. in, in an active um, uh, policy of you know a, a sectarian killing which is um, which is a, a, a seen you know um, uh, the vast mm. majority of their victims being innocent Catholics that's legal until 1992 and they're not touched by, by uh, you know um, mm-hmm. uh, loyalist organisations are not touched mm-hmm. by, by internment is the point you know um, um, especially in the early years you know yeah. um, the yeah. overall I think the overall like, percentage of arrest and incarceration is like um, uh, I mean I don't have the exact percentages but I think it's like n- nearly 2,000 Republicans are interned and, and this is throughout the, this is just from the start to the end of internment yeah. 107 loyalists are interned and that's not, and they don't even start interning them until i think three or four years into mm. it um you know so that, that's what tells you everything yeah. you need to know really and what you what you're saying about the information as well because so much of it was gathered through these these networks of loyalist para, para, paramilitaries and sort of their associates, it was so open to abuse to mm. anyone with a grudge mm. or, you know, anyone with who felt kind of spiteful towards yeah. their neighbours. It just, it, mm. it kind of became like a cleansing operation in that sense. Just anyone you wanted to get rid of could have just been thrown in a camp, just if, just if mm. you say the word. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. And... Um... And, and and that's the thing as well, like, I mean, more specifically about the Ballymurphy Massacre, I mean, it was the first three days, 9th, the 10th and the 11th of, of August uh, 1971, paratroopers had pretty much stationed themselves around Ballymurphy, which was like a predominantly Catholic mm. housing estate. And it was seen as a hotbed of IRA activity, even though supposedly like the IRA had been tipped off about internment and they'd all actually vacated the, the estate before mm. this had happened. I think in three days, they shot 46 people out of which... 10 died out of whom 10 died even worse only one actually died from the direct bullet wounds like the rest all could have survived if they had received medical attention but but of course they were yeah that 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 never happened um and the official story that the paratroopers gave was that they were engaged in a three-day long pitched gun battle in which they faced like hundreds of uh hundreds of bullet rounds and i mean it was like not a single casing was fucking found. Like, not a single weapon was recovered from the scene. Like, I mean, unlike Bloody Sunday, which was obviously, like, really, you know, it was in front of the cameras and, like, a lot of that stuff was really, like, recorded. Um, the Bally Murphy Massacre kind of happened away from all of that. And um, it wasn't even really until, like, years later that the, vic- the, the, the victims' families even came together and realized that this had all happened on the same day. You know, that like all of these people had like lost family members yeah. like on the same day in like the same area. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and that sort of got them to, to come together to, uh, you know, uh, campaign for an inquiry, which which happened. And similar to the Savile Inquiry, the, 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 um, the, re- the report came out last year in 2021, uh, which said that, of course, yeah, all of these people were innocent because, yeah, the paratroopers, uh, uh, you know, uh, official statement was that they had basically taken out like a hard core of the IRA and like these were all yeah. just like unarmed civilians and they was basically just like doing target practice and it's just like yeah and, and and it's again like so similar to like the way that they yeah tried to cover up bloody sunday as well i mean it's very absolutely, similar absolutely you know and i think this is one of the line. things that um if anyone is um if anyone's from a sort of similar background to, to, to me, I guess, or from, to lots of us, I suppose, you know, that, that and you're beginning to get interested in this stuff and read about it, um, the thing that makes, you know, that's, that's always sort of made me, I suppose, so so angry and, and, and passionate about th- this subject um, is the fact that, you know, it's, it's not that long ago 
it's very you know and you, and you, and you know you there's a, there's a there's a documentary very mm. difficult to watch but I think very important documentary um, um on the Bally Murphy massacre um, it was originally called the Bally Murphy precedent mm. but I think they changed the name to just uh, mm-hmm. Bally Murphy massacre for when it was shown on Channel mm-hmm. Four but mm-hmm. um you know you, you see people being interviewed in that and um mm-hmm. there's not a big jump between um you know um yeah. uh, working class life for my mum and dad in like Newcastle or Manchester where you know where they're from um and um mm. you know so, seeing these people describe the the horrendous um, uh, uh, sort of uh, murder um, in broad daylight by um, a heavily armed, um, you know, um, um, army. Um, and um, I think anyone yeah. that is from a sort of like, you know, a, yeah. I guess a sort of a, 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 a background of any kind, but specifically a sort of like working class background, you know, at the time, it's easy to look at that and think, well, you know, the only difference between that and, you know, my, my mom, that, that being my mum and dad is the fact that it's taking place in this like engineered, um, you know, it's effectively one party statelet, you know? Um, and mm. it is. It's a uh, Bally Murphy is a it's mm. a horrific um, uh, event, and it's not it's not as well known as, as Bloody Sunday, but it should be because it's um you know you can't understand Bloody Sunday and the, the dynamic with the crowd and the powers without understanding that. And 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 that's the, that's the thing that you have like that, that really gets me as well. Like when you kind of like realize that like there's tanks rolling through like some of the fucking poorest and most deprived yeah. areas like in the Western world probably at that point. You know like. Like the the kind of the levels of poverty that that were there in in specifically in Northern Ireland at that point were like incomparable to like anything else in like the rest of the UK and um and like these are the people that were being cracked cracked down on like and and once again like I'm sorry to keep on doing this but like I, like you know like once again it like really reminds you of like like fucking Gaza or something you know like which is like already some of the poorest people in the world like living in this like tiny fucking strip of land and like they're the ones that are being domineered by this like incredibly militarily advanced police state basically and it's just yeah. it kind of like and, and i think this is the thing as well is that baffles the mind oh, really in a way <laughs> yeah I, I mean i think this is this is the thing as well is that you know uh, and i think this is this could this is this gets to the crux of i think why um, you know, people don't want to talk about this in, 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 you know, it's remarkable when you think about it that when I was growing up, um, you know, there were, there were bombs going off in, in England. Um, I was in Manchester city center about an hour before the, uh, the, the Manchester bomb went off in 1996. Um, you know, I was only 10 years old, but you know, uh, and mm. you know, so that's the situation that that, that is occurring. You know, at, at, at the period of history in which, in which we've all been told that it's the end of history. By the way, um, cl- cl- clearly not if you live in the north of Ireland. Um, mm. You know, um, uh, it's 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 this. You know, this refusal to engage with you know why that might be. And even as a kid, I remember thinking, you know. Like why why are these why 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 is there a you know a, a group of um uh, of people in Ireland that are that, that are bombing you know the that, that are bombing England you know um and the fact of the matter is is that mm-hmm. if you really think about this and investigate the history that we've talked about and you do and you make those comparisons with Palestine the only conclusion that you can come to is that you know mm-hmm. is that the northern statelet was a colonialist statelet that was you know, fully um, uh, 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 intended to be um, uh, uh, an integrated part of, of, of an imperial project, you know? Um, and we're not ready to have those discussions mm-hmm. about, um, you know, um, anywhere in, um, in, 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 about places like India or parts of Africa um, or parts of the Caribbean or wherever it is mm-hmm. that, we, that we've colonised. Mm-hmm. So we're certainly not ready to have them um, about, um, about, about Ireland because it's a lot easier yeah. to just simply say, ah, well, bombs, you know, mm-hmm. terrorists, bad, um, and then we'd have to think about it. You know, we'd have to think about the, the underlying issues of colonialism mm-hmm. and domination and what 
what you know what what yeah. has been done in our name <laughs> you know um so yeah yeah i think that's important yeah, the the fact that it is so close to home it's almost uh, it's always about saving face mm. to a large extent i mean i and so that that brings us to the current situation in which northern ireland is hugely deprived and I know, mm. like, obviously, the UK in general is so unequal. So there are parts of the North which are incredibly deprived as well. But, mm. you know, when you compare it to the Republic, which is, you know, generally, like, comparably at least, very wealthy, it's it's almost like they're stuck in this limbo where, you know, no one wants to jump. You know, obviously, no one in the UK, uh, no, well, no, no British politician is prepared to seriously... Um, seriously propose any sort of referendum or any kind of progressive movement on Northern Ireland, uh, any sort of mm. perspective uh, unification. But at the same time, no one really knows what to do with it. It's not an, an economic asset anymore. Obviously, the, the days of uh, colonialism in that sense are, are gone. Where you, It's not... It's not a big plantation mm. anymore, so it's it's we're very much in limbo, and it's yeah, it's no, no one's prepared to move on the situation. But it's at all. but it's but it's a it's a status of you know continued yeah. Yeah. British colonial dominance, you know, yeah. like and, and it that's why it needs to still be there. Yeah, know? like that's why they can never let go of it, you know, because it's like the last remaining one, and it's the one closest to home. If they lose that, yeah. then they lose uh, uh, everything. Absolutely, Britain's and and the ruling class and the sort of the <laughs> class and the commentariat, they, they also lose, um, you know, the ability to be able to weaponize and to sort of um, to conjure up the, the specter of uh, of United Arm and the specter of republicanism, because that's the only time that, you know, the the, the, the fundamental philosophy, yeah. um, uh, the fundamental history, uh, you know, the, the fundamental ideology um, and, and, and rationale behind republicanism is, um, you know, is, 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 is never interrogated. All, all, all you get is it used as um, as a specter or a cipher. And there's no better example of that than, you know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a Labour Party guy. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I've got huge critiques of, of Labourism. Um, uh, you know, it was pretty critical of, of, of Corbyn even. But, you know, you look at the way in which Corbyn and McDonnell were absolutely monstered um for for daring to um show some sort of solidarity mm -hmm. with, with the with the republican community uh you know of um, course that's that's how that's how you know yeah yeah you know, the that, line we, we, we don't want to talk about it at all we don't want to um, talk about the reasons why you know having colonized um, and, and created this um you know um uh, horrendously unequal statelet is is bad um but all of a sudden when um you know a, a, a vaguely left-wing politician um says something vaguely pro-republican everyone becomes an expert on the troubles in the ira um you know uh but 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 no one no one wants to talk about <laughs> island other than that yeah you know so we got a i think we got a very tiny taste of what would happen if there was any kind of referendum in northern ireland uh with what happened last year in barbados because even though it's a yeah. it's a teeny <laughs> tiny country i mean it's like two hundred and fifty thousand people so like almost almost no one but like it did it did cause a big ripple because it's famously supposed to be kind of uh, Britain in the Caribbean. It's traditionally been very loyal uh, to the mm. empire. And yeah, it, it finally uh, finally made the move. And you, you got a lot of salty Times columnists and stuff and like Jeremy Clarkson <laughs> lamenting how it's been taken over by Chinese imperialism. But, um, yeah. Whatever. So, like, I mean, people would lose their shit, wouldn't they? If, if anything well, the, happened. The, the difference is, is that you've got, um, you know, you've got an entire um, sort of subsection of the, of the electorate 
um, who, um, you know, um, might be uh, sort of veterans that served in in Ireland that might be, um, you know, their families or their supporters or just those for whom some sort of, you know, especially on the far right, there's links between um, the far right and their veneration of Ulster loyalism. Um, And and this is like this sort of um, ecology of of sort of political identification that um, exists that allows... Anti sort of um, Republican, anti Irish, um, pro British, pro loyalist um, um, uh, sort of proclamations uh, to be used as a kind of um, a, as a way of almost sort of like showing how muscular your conservatism is, or, or, or like you know, or, or quite how much of a sort of hard ass you are. Um, and there's no better example of this than the the utter ghoul mm. that is Johnny Mercer, um, who is. You, you know, oh, just yeah. just the most <laughs> reprehensible, slimy little sort of Patrick, you know, Bateman fuck um, in 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 all of, of British politics. This guy, in in the context of a proposed amnesty, by the way, for for what are war crimes, um, um, yeah. you know, um, uh, against the subjugated populace yeah. um, in, in Ireland. This guy popping up to pretend as if um, you know uh, families who've struggled for justice for half a century for their loved ones who were gunned down unarmed in the street of their own city arguing you know marching for civil rights that somehow you know having a pensioner stand trial for this um uh, you know amounts to some sort of witch hunt um is just an absolutely it's a sign of it's a sign of woke the woke left gone mad you know making <laughs> war criminals stand for war crimes yeah, yeah. um it's uh it's yeah. the loony left have gone crazy yeah but um, but you know on, on the right and the far right you know the 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 the, the troubles and um, and also the loyalism it, it does have that you know it's it's a, it's it gives people the ability um uh, to be able to um nail their colors to something which is um uh, symbolic of of incredibly reactionary politics, but which still has mm. um, a level of complete acceptability. Um, uh, and I think for some of them, it's a genuine thing; they they genuinely identify with the uh, with Ulster loyalists. Yeah. For others, I think yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. a form of social sadism um, and um, <laughs> and a kind of pathetic, just like imperial, you know, adventuring sort of like you know, um, uh, uh, sort of nostalgia, which uh, sort of uh, affects and blights, um, you know, the the children and grandchildren of, of World War Two veterans in in this country a lot, you know. And it's definitely getting worse because, like, we, we spoke about, like, this, the Savile Report was obviously very damning and that came out in in 2010. And then also the, the report into the murder of uh, mm. Pat Finnegan, that also came out uh, under mm. the David Cameron government. And generally speaking, I mean, like, you, you definitely do not need to <laughs> hand it to David Cameron, but... You know, he he did the basics. He yeah, just said, yeah, 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 sorry, that was bad." You know, but I no, I they 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 they, they haven't. Like, I mean, like Boris last Johnson. year when the um, um, Bally yeah. Murphy report um, came out, like they yeah, I can't remember who was in charge, like which which minister was actually in charge, but they said, "Yeah, I mean, it was it's it's a, it's a terrible tragedy, of course, but they didn't like claim any responsibility of the British state for what had happened, which was no. at least like a bare minimum that, that David Cameron did when it when it came to." Bloody Sunday. Oh yeah! If the Savile report came out now, like Pretty Patel would say, it was is it's just the down to support yeah, yeah, careers. Yeah. You know, it's it, they're just trying to virtue signal. Like, but yeah, that that speaking of Bloody Sunday as well, you know, like one and a half hours into the actual recording, uh, let's talk a little bit about it. You know, I mean, like we, <laughs> I think we've by now sufficiently covered enough ground to talk about like how you know what actually happened on the thirtieth of January, uh, nineteen seventy two. There was a march in Derry led by the uh, Northern Ireland Civil Rights Association, uh, NICRA, and, and its main aim was, was protesting internment, obviously, which had just been 
introduced about six months earlier. And uh, even though at that point the British state had uh, had said that all political marches were were banned, but obviously you know they were going to go ahead with it anyway. And it was uh, it was being led by people like icons of the Northern Irish civil rights movement. You know, people like Eamon McCann and Bernadette Devlin and uh, and, uh, and and Ivan Cooper and um, and and yeah, like I mean, it was uh, there was there was already a lot of sort of hesitation in terms of whether or not they should go ahead with the march because it had been deemed illegal uh, and, you know, like the turnout, they didn't know that it was going to be as big as it was. But I mean, up to what, like between ten and 15,000 people, it's it's hard to know the exact numbers, obviously. But um, it was a lot of fucking people who showed up. And yeah, I mean, the, the, the original plan was to go to the Guildhall in the center of uh, Derry City. Um, but that route had been blocked by the police. So they decided that they were going to go to the Free Dairy Corner instead. And, I mean, even up until the last minute, they didn't really know whether they were going to go ahead with the march, and then they, they finally did. But then, obviously, the, the paras who, yeah, had been stationed in Belfast before, had taken part in the, in the Valley Murphy Massacre, like, less than six months earlier. Um, they were brought in, and then, like, at some point, a group split off, um, towards the original uh, destination and actually got to the blockade. And that's when, like, the first sort of confrontation started happening, I guess. You know, water, water cannon was brought in, rubber bullets were fired. Yeah, I mean, eventually the, the, the paras basically drove right into the crowd at the rally in front of the, in front of the, 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 Rossville, the Rossville Flats. And, yeah, they, they claimed that they came under fire. Again, that was completely bullshit. Um, 21 soldiers fired 108 rounds of live ammunition. Um, what was it? 20, were 27 people shot? 26 people? Uh, yeah, 13 people. 20, 26 in total. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, tw- tw- 26 people are, are actually shot. That's something else which is often forgotten that, you know, we, we often talk yeah. about the uh, yeah. uh, the, the, the the dead um, of, of the immediate events. But, you yeah. know, there's, uh, there's 26 mm-hmm. other people that, are, uh, that in total that, that are shot that day. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah. you know, to, to give some context for this, you know, this is... Um, you know, so, so after the Battle of the Bogside um, in, um, in 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 Derry that we, we mentioned previously, um, there's been um, the the establishment of uh, certain sort of no go zones, um, as it's known for the uh, the British Army. Uh, this is um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, around sort of a, a free Derry. This is the origins of free Derry. So you know you would you would yeah. see you you would have um, you know the IRA out um, p- uh, patrolling um, on on the streets um, openly, carrying firearms, um, uh, performing mm-hmm. checkpoints, that kind of thing. Um, so it was essentially a kind of a, a liberated or you know, autonomous zone, basically, mm-hmm. Um, um, at this point. So, uh, you know, the, the there is um, a a a group of um, especially young, um, uh, young um, sort of um, uh, 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 sort of um, I guess. Uh, well, they're described as the Derry the Derry young hooligans. Okay, which is both, <laughs> which is um, which you know, which is both um, uh, something that, that, that they adopt themselves Legends. and also. Uh, and yeah, you know, so, so but the, these these are um, uh, 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 sort of group of, uh, of teenagers and, and, and young kids that have been engaged in sort of running street battles with the um, uh, yeah. uh, with the army on the periphery of this uh, of, of this no go zone. Um, you know, it's um, you know th- throwing rocks, um, petrol bombs, that kind of thing. Um, so there's been some um, you know there's been serious aggro um, uh, uh, before this day as well. You know, and there's serious tension there as well. And you know. 
between the Battle of the Bogside and, uh, and, and and Bloody Sunday, um, you know, you've had um, a period in which um, the uh, the IRA, uh, both IRAs, because they're still uh, the, the official IRA and the provisional, yeah. are both active at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, they uh, have they, they have um, engaged in a military campaign against the British. Like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and deny the fact that uh, the uh, that yeah. the IRA was engaged in shooting British soldiers at the time. Now it was, it mm-hmm. was at war. Um, mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's that's the way they saw it. Um, so um, on on both sides, there is considerable tension. However. On only one side is there enormous heavy weaponry. Um, yeah. Is there um, a, a a a regiment that has already committed a massacre elsewhere on innocent civilians mm. that is sent in deliberately as um, as as a form of psychological symbolism warfare um, mm. uh, to to reterrorize um, another community all over again? Um, and you know. Um, several um, of the uh, of those that are shot and die um, on Bloody Sunday are teenagers. Um, only... Yeah, like half of them were seventeen. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think it's um I, I, I think it's um a seven in total or six six or seven in total yeah, are yeah. teenagers. Um, most yeah. of whom are seventeen. Yeah. One of whom is eighteen. Um, yeah. And there is only one. Um, um, among those teenagers who has any link whatsoever to any form of rep- uh, militant Republican organization, that's uh, Gerald Donaghy. Um, um, he's 17 years old. Um, he's a member of Nafina Erin, which is, um, um, apologies to all my uh, Irish speaking friends that I've just pissed off with that pronunciation. Um, but he, he's a member of Nafina, <laughs> which is basically uh, the, uh, the IRA's youth wing. Um, and at that point, that in Derry, it would essentially have been a matter of um, uh, uh, reporting the number plates of um, of uh, British Army vehicles, um, re- re- scouting for intelligence, that kind of thing. Um, um, that they would have been not much um, in the in the way of weapons training at that point, uh, to my knowledge, anyway. Um, Petrol bomb throwing, that kind of thing, involvement in riots, that that, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um, but the, the important thing here to, uh, uh, to sort of point out is that Gerald Donaghy, um, and there's an in-depth report um, by the Pat Finnegan Centre, which I recommend that everyone reads. Mm-hmm. Gerald Donaghy in particular is um, is someone whose whose memory and name um, has been um, has been sullied in the sense that while he was involved with uh, the FINA, um, yeah. uh, there is an extremely murky set of um, instances yeah. that happen um, with, uh, with yeah. w- when he is shot and when he's taken to the hospital and that's intercepted by, by you know by, by police. Um, he's kept in police custody. Um, uh, there are nail bombs which um, I personally believe were planted on him um, by the uh, by, by by the security services um, to to give um, rationale and reason and justification um, for them shooting children, basically. Um, and this, I mean, be, the sorry, yeah. the initial doctor's report said that he didn't have any nail bombs on him. Yeah, on his person. Yeah, and then um, so, but again, th- th- this comes. And from, then he was in police custody for like yeah. a few hours, and then his body is found with nail bombs on his person, like. Yeah, I mean, sure. I'm sure that's a massive coincidence. One of the most sort of um, outrageous um, um, uh, sort of links here to sort of Kitson um, and his counterinsurgency policy um, and his policy of of spin and um, misinformation, obfuscation, if I can say that word, after the fact, mm-hmm. um, is um, in the form of um, an extremely um, um, uh, sort of shadowy and corrupt figure uh, by the name of John Chartres. Um, now, mm. John Chartres um, uh, never declared this, by the way, I don't think, in any um, of his writing on the Troubles, um, but he was a former general in the Territorial Army um, and was on the defence beat for the Times of London. Um, and he claims, 
he claims to have seen um, to have been shown by um, um, a passing. Um, well, he's, he's passing a, a, an army, uh, an arm, army car, um, and it's open to him. Um, a member of the army jumps out and says to him, "Would you like to uh, be an independent witness um, to this body that we've found?" And that's the body of young Gerald Donaghy um, and Chartres, um, who later on comes up with um, one of the most out, you know, preposterous um, uh, sort of bits of information possible when he says that the IRA actually kept bodies in refrigerators on the day of Bloody Sunday and then put them out into um, into the oh streets my, with bullet oh wounds. To um, I had that one. Yeah, that's that's a famous one. Um, but, you know, he, he's asked to observe this body and he says, ah, yeah, you know, I've, I've seen these two enormous nail bombs on him. Yeah, this, this kid's definitely a terrorist. Um, the Pat mm. Finnegan Centre has, um, has, has taken that apart fairly conclusively, in my opinion. But that's the kind mm. of misinformation that is happening from the mm. moment these innocent people are shot. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. they're, they're not they're not buried yet they're not in the ground they're they're, they're dying I mean in like some cases Bernard, Bernard McGuigan he was like waving a white flag trying to get to um, another person who'd been shot uh, Patrick Doherty who'd mm -hmm. been shot and he was like trying to get to him yeah. and he was waving a white flag shot straight through the head yeah. um, and so like even just the 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 idea that this this was like some sort of a pitched gun battle or anything like that that they were actually under fire is bullshit and like there was supposedly a couple of instances of like a couple of provisional IRA people who who'd been there and who had like a pistol and started firing and then immediately the crowd like like jumped them and said like what the fuck are you doing you're gonna get yeah. us all killed I mean, I mean, to the, to the, yeah to, to the best of my knowledge um the the only um shot of any consequence i think that comes from yeah. a republican that day is actually from a member of the officials um that's right um, uh, well that's the only one that i know is um i think largely confirmed by by reliable sources is that there was, there was a member mm -hmm. of the officials who had a handgun um who mm -hmm. um who, who retaliated after he had seen innocent people being shot yeah, yeah, yeah. um and was yeah. then um and was then told by those trying to attend to the the dead and the dying you know pl yeah. pl please stop um they'll they'll they'll, they'll center yeah. our fire on us we're trying to save these people yeah. and then he quickly sort of um uh, uh, moves back into the uh, the, the background again um, but there is no evidence whatsoever that the British were fired on first. Mm -hmm. They were not fired on first. The British fired first on that day. Um, and for many, many, many years, um, you know, the, 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 the report that comes out of this, you know, the, uh, the, um, the, uh, the, the Widgery report is mm -hmm. one of the most disgraceful whitewashes in the history of a country that is reliant mm -hmm. on disgraceful whitewashes to uphold its, um, <laughs> its self-image, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and, 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 it, and it states all sorts of things, you know, that, that the, uh, the police were fired on first by numerous shots from the Rossville Flats. They weren't, mm -hmm. um, you know? Um, so it's, um, it's, 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 you know, for those that are only coming to this subject matter for the first time, it's, it's not pleasant and it's not nice. Um, and, you know, every time you watch a documentary about it or you read something about it or you listen to something about it, if you've got, you know, if, if, if you've got a beating heart in your chest and you care even an iota mm. about social justice, then this is the kind mm. of stuff that you should be, um, you know, absolutely inflamed with rage about. Um, but it's also just so incredibly sad um you, you, mm -hmm. you know this stuff and i don't mean sad in the sense that it was inevitable or it unfolded i mean it's you know it's it's a it's a it's a horrific awful consequence of the policies that we've outlined mm -hmm. since the 1100s you know um and yeah. those that were trying to rescue the dead um were also shot at in some cases killed yeah. um people were yeah. shot in the back while they were trying to escape people were shot in the back of the mm -hmm. head um and none of these people were armed you know that's yeah. the reality of it yeah, and uh, and I mean just just the way that the paratroopers sort of held the lie 
I mean, even fucking, like, one of the most remarkable things I actually read in doing the research was, like, a piece by Douglas Murray. And, uh, yeah, Always where he's, um, in, the, in The Spectator, where he's talking about the, the Savile Report and, like, listening to the, the testimonies of the soldiers. And he, like, even he, like, one of the most outrageously, like, fascist, <laughs> you know, uh, commentators out there, you know, like, who is, like, a sworn fucking defender of the British state, is there saying no? These people are absolutely fucking lying. Like it's disgraceful. Yeah. <laughs> like and yeah. and um, like that. That was really remarkable to actually see that. I mean, like I'm no, I'm not handing it to Douglas Murray. Don't get me wrong. That is like he's <laughs> genuinely my most despised person in British media. But like even from him, like you know, when you can see that, like um, I mean, it's 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 it was just like a really obvious lie. But it was institutionally supported and actually backed for 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 decades and. Um, uh, from uh, like the Wizardry Report, which happened what in like uh, 1972 or three, um, so, or, like was it even? Yeah. The, yeah, yeah, a couple of years after, but it was soon after. But it wasn't until 1998 that the Savile Report was even commissioned mm. by the Labour government, uh, and yeah. that that report took 12 years. I mean, came to the conclusion that obviously the, the official report the initial official report was 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 nonsense and that they were never fired upon first and they were never under any serious threat at all um and that's the thing as well like these guys these these guys like these paratroopers like they're like full-on like military psychos right i mean like they're like trained to be in like like highly trained special special operatives like who are trained for like high intensity combat areas and they've been sent into like a civilian march you know yeah um yeah, and they're they're like acting out in that way, like in this crowd of unarmed people, and it's just like, it's insane when you actually think about it. But like, it's also quite interesting, like in the context of like modern day policing, for example, like when you look at like in in the states, like when you look at like the, the kind of training that a lot of police receive and the way that they handle protests, for example, like it's the same kind of mindset that you that you get like indoctrinated with, right? That like this uh, that you are like this thin blue line that is protecting society from anarchic chaos yeah you know from but, from complete downfall absolutely and like these people are like these people are traitors these people are you know enemies of the state and therefore they must be stopped uh, absolutely you know yeah. and yeah and, 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 and it's just an insane fucking mindset that yeah. like that that, that that you have to have like in order to even like be a part of these these like elite army units oh no very definitely but you know it's um the the thing is is that you know we, we've got such a culture of kind of um of, of deference um, um of, of the military yeah. in this country um and that's been supercharged mm-hmm. um you know in the last um uh, 10 20 years with um uh, you know the the rise of this particularly vicious brand of like imperial nostalgia um yeah. but you know if if there's one thing that i think you know i, I would want anyone to get out of my writing or or or, or me talking on this subject um it, it would be this and it's that you know First of all, the conflict that we know as the Troubles, uh, you know, this this wasn't, um, and it's off, it's still framed to this day on, by, by various different um, uh, people as an ethno-religious conflict between two eternally mm. warring tribes incapable of coexisting together and getting on with each other, okay? Um, mm. It 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 was not. That's not to say that ethnicity and religion are not were not an important aspect mm-hmm. of the social and cultural lives of the people that were involved in the mm-hmm. conflict. It absolutely was. That's mm-hmm. not to say it didn't influence mm-hmm. it. It absolutely did. Um, but mm-hmm. the basis of the conflict was material one about economic and mm-hmm. political 
rights and about a subjugated, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a subjugated um, uh, and uh, uh, and divided by force, you know, partitioned nation. Um, and yeah. that's that's what it's about. And also, one of the thing that I would want people to get out of anything is is this: the events like Bally Murphy. Events like Bloody Sunday, events like the ones that we've spoken about going back all the way to the first colonisation of, of Ireland, okay? Um, these give lie to the fact that the British presence there militarily and in other ways was uh, w- was as a neutral arbiter or peacekeeper. It was not. It was there to prop up uh, a deeply unequal, uh, uh, one effectively one-party state regime that enacted you know, violence against his population deliberately um, and kept them marginalised politically and economically. And if you don't understand those two things, then I don't honestly think that you can understand that. That, that doesn't even mean you have mm-hmm. to sympathise with Republicanism. You, know, you, 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 don't, you don't have to be, you know, be, be like me and be quite vocal. You know, I don't expect that. But I do expect that that's the, a level of, uh, the, the, you know, of, of, of information about the conflict that people need to understand. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and, and and even loyalist combatants would would acknowledge that. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. uh, I think so. So yeah, it's important to yeah, it's important to emphasise that horror didn't unfold in the in the words of Keir Starmer and I think the New York Times. They they use yeah. the same language. It wasn't it wasn't like a fucking H.P. Lovecraft story where like this monster kind of like appears out of the ether. You know, there was agent and that agent was the state terror of of mm. britain of the united kingdom and there yeah. was a subject and that was the subject were working class irish people and it, it it remains the dynamic to this day yeah 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 definitely so sort of starting to wrap things up if you want to look a bit about a bit at like the, the legacy of uh, bloody sunday uh, 50 years on because if it, it of course was the the 50th anniversary this sunday just gone yeah, I mean, what would we say? I mean, in terms of how it's remembered, I mean, as we've sort of alluded to already, Keir Starmer's tweet. I'm just going to read it out, just in classic Keir Starmer fashion. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do the voice because it's just <laughs> it's too ridiculous. But um, 50 years ago, the, the the horror of Bloody Sunday unfolded in Derry. The victims left behind families and a community that grieved their loss and struggled for decades to have the truth told about what happened. I send them my deepest respects. Uh, on this poignant and significant day, and that's the thing, you know, it's like it's like a um, it's like a natural catastrophe, right? It unfolded. It's yeah. like this this uh, eternal um, sectarian religious war that just happens, you know. And like the British state, like what 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 does that have to do with anything, you know? And like, I mean, it's not exactly a secret that you know Starmer is allegedly <laughs> you know <laughs> uh, deeply embedded within the the the, the british state apparatus uh you he's know, an mi5 plant that's you know as, as 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 the fucking dpp or as uh <laughs> you know as, as as a member of the trilateral commission uh and you know it's no secret that like i mean had he been around at the time i mean he had you know he still probably uh would be in favor of you know the, the kind of state decisions which would enable something like bloody sunday to happen you know like i mean this fucking guy is just like whipped to abstain on the spy cops bill on the overseas forces bill like the exact kind of laws that like <laughs> that that would like yeah. give impunity for shit like this do you know what i mean like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's incredible to me mr mr human rights lawyer you know um yeah i and, mean you uh, know if, if 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 he if he can't even name 
you know, if he, if he can't if he can't even state that this is a that they, you know, use the word massacre, or you know, uh, uh, or, or or even a portion um, uh, uh, blame when you know those as you've just mentioned far less um, you know um, uh, uh, you know far more right right wing ostensibly than himself have managed to do so then there's really no hope yeah. you know, um, but in terms of like the the the, the immediate after effects, I mean, there's um it's all history is always more complicated than this, but there's a good argument to be made that you know Bleed Sunday is the event above all others that. That persuades a sort of significant section of, of working class Catholics in Derry mm-hmm. and, and further afield that um, you know um, that, that constitutionalism is is not going to be the answer um, that you know I that, that sort of um, unarmed Irish nationalism is going to be completely inadequate in, in the face of this like merciless yeah. opposition. So you know um, it, it is it is an enormous. Um, uh, recruiting um, uh, sort of um, 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 opportunity for the IRA, in particular the provisionals, because um, at that stage they're just two years into their existence. They've split from the IRA um, and uh, the, you know the official IRA, and they are um, and they, they are the ones that are offering you know r- retaliation. Um, and it also for for other Republican groups as well, it's a massively influential moment as well. Um, this is arguably the reason why the provisionals become the um, the, the 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 number one um, um, Republican organization and continue their campaign where others don't because. The response from the official IRA to Bloody Sunday um, is that, and this this eventually leads to their ceasefire. Um, uh, they they uh, respond by on the February twenty second uh, um, bombing um, an army base in Aldershot in the southwest of London. Um, that's a direct retaliation for Bloody Sunday, and that's before the provisionals have bombed anything on on on, mm-hmm. on in, in in England. Um, and that target was like an officer's mess, but that blast kills seven workers. Five of them are women. There's an elderly gardener and a Catholic chaplain. So it's a disastrous military operation, um, and it's the mm-hmm. first of a couple of uh, political uh, military disasters that ha- that sort of hasten the cessation of their campaign as well. Um, so it's 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 hugely influential in, in that respect as well. And then you know, just out, outside of of that too, um, you know, uh, e- even those that uh, are, have got absolutely no sympathy for militant republicanism, um, uh, 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 b- b- become em- 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 embroiled in this emotionally and are affected by it. In the south, there's an excellent book by Brian Hanley um, called um, the uh, the effect of the uh, the troubles on um, on the Republic of Ireland, um, which goes into detail about this. But there is, um, you know widespread um, um, industrial activity and strikes in response to Bloody Sunday. Um, and um, uh, Hanley even sort of says that, you know, in, in, in during the hunger strike in 1981, um, you would get, you know, mainly just the workers that would come out. But in the case of Bloody Sunday, it wasn't just the workers, it was their bosses too. Um, that 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 were walking out, you know, um, the the uh, the British embassy in Dublin is um, is attacked. Um, petrol bombs are thrown at it. Um, the doors are rammed in. It's set on fire. Um, you know, so this is um, throughout Ireland. This really does generate just absolute uh, revulsion. Um, um, and, and sort of, you know, great, great anger. So to this day, you know, you'll find people that um, would have no truck with uh, Sinn Féin or the IRA, but would happily, um, you know, happily attend alongside, um, you know, Sinn Féin representation in, in any uh, Bloody Sunday commemoration. Um, uh, you know, it's it's an absolutely pivotal moment in the history of Ireland. It's an absolutely pivotal moment in the history of republicanism. And arguably, it's what um, it sets in train what, what becomes the deadliest year of the Troubles. 1972 becomes the yeah. deadliest year, um, you know. And, it, and it's hard to imagine how it could have been any other way when the, the year starts like this. It's something like 476 people or something like that. It's, uh, it's so nearly 500 people. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know? In, uh, in, in 1972. Mm. Um, yeah, and I mean, yeah, when it, when it comes to, you know, whether, whether or not people face justice, I mean, the only trial to have even taken place was the trial of Soldier F, and, um, 
And that started at the beginning of, at, at the end of 2019 and then was delayed yeah. over COVID. And then the trial collapsed entirely last year. And I didn't, I wasn't able to like fully get into why that happened. But um, there's like, do any of you have a better idea about that? Um, I, mean, I mean, basically the, uh, the, the inference was that the, 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 the evidence wasn't strong enough. Um, right. But 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 also there was political pressure um, being be, be, being being put on the prosecutors, um, you know, because of this um, revolting um, uh, sort of a, a media blitz and campaign by the likes of Johnny Mercer yeah. and, and others. Yeah. Um, that uh, and, and you know the, the usual sort of like you know toe rags in the Daily Mail and that sort of thing that you know that that, uh, that are arguing for the the fact you know they're arguing for this sort of alternative reality in which they see um, you know these poor pensioner British soldiers as having been persecuted, you know. And Dennis Hutchings is another mm-hmm. example of this, um, you know, yeah. who, who who Mercer proudly, um, you know, accompanied uh, uh, to his trial and, and, and died, um, you know, of COVID during the trial and again will escape justice. Um, you know, Dennis Hutchings in, in County Tyrone, um, where, where, where he was stationed, you know, away from Derry and, and Belfast and sort of the more urban centres, um, he shot a man in the back with a childhood educational level of, of, of reading and comprehension. Um, who would be considered, you know, to be a vulnerable adult, um, and and um, and and you know, a, 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 in need of educational support these days. You know, mm. he shot him in the back um, mm. when he was running across a field. This was a um, a young man that had a documented fear of uh, men in uniform um, and in positions mm. of authority for for various different mm. reasons. A completely harmless young man, um, and and you know, Dennis Hutchins um, uh, um, uh, shot him in the back because, in his words, he pres- he presumed or he thought that he was a dangerous IRA terrorist. Um, and these are the kind of people that Johnny Mercer is defending. You know, yeah. um, so you know people can people can disagree with with, with yeah. The, so, the Soldier F killed yeah. uh, at least four people. Yeah. On early Sunday. You know. Yeah. And so, so you know, people don't have to. You know, people don't have to support uh, Irish unification, or you know, be be um, uh, a sort of a, a fellow traveller and comrade of, of Irish Republicans like like myself. Uh, but they, you know, they, they do have to understand that these are the people that are they, they are being asked to defend. Um, uh, by, by their politicians and, and by their government, and I would just really ask people like that, even those uh, that you know might have um, that might have views that are far more conservative than mine, to think twice before mm-hmm. they do that. You know, put put yourself in the position of a family that's had to go through that. Like, you know, and just and just tr- maybe think twice about the narrative you've been given in Ireland, regardless if you've they come to the same conclusions as me. Maybe just think a little bit more about why soldiers were there in the first place and why they were shooting unarmed people. You know, with a with a with a reading age of seven in the back. You know? Yeah. And although Soldier F never faced justice, he was recently named in British Parliament, wasn't he? Yes. By um, Co- like, uh, Colm Eastwood. Colm Col- Eastwood, yeah. 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 Um, uh, Use par- parliamentary privilege uh, 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 to name him. Uh, yeah, and there's actually an interesting exchange again to... Um, I hate to waste so much breath on him, but, uh, but uh, with between him and Mercer um, uh, recently, in which um, Eastwood, um, who, who, for those who are unaware, is the um, the leader of the SDLP, the Social Democratic and Labour Party, the constitutional mm-hmm. nationalist um, um, political force in, in Ireland. Um, and um, he um, he stood up in Parliament and said, uh, you know, quite... Quite, you know, quite, quite truthfully, um, British soldiers were sent to my city. He's from Derry. Were sent to my city in 1972 to murder innocent civilians, um, and then um, made a further call for justice. Um, and then, you know, M- M- Mercer stands up, and uh, you know, um, uh, you know, on a point, and this is the thing with these people, on a point of parliamentary civility, 
You know, mm. he, he said, oh, you know, we, we can't have a member of parliament accusing the British armed forces of intentionally murdering people. You know, I think we should really mm. all think about how we talk about this. And let's just bring the language mm. down a little bit. You know, let's just be, I mean, I mean, what, what a, a gaslighting fuck. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's, you that's know? what they always do, though. Yeah. That's what they always do. You know, yeah. and it's yeah. just, yeah, it's, 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 it's infuriating. It's permanently infuriating, <laughs> to be honest. You know, it's, um, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because the, the SDLP, obviously, they're a Northern Irish Republican Party, but they, they, don't abstain they do take their seat in uh, mm. in british parliament so it's quite um it's quite interesting always to hear them speak and it just makes you wonder like if Sinn Féin did take their seats, what that would be like. Even well, I mean, I, think, I understand the abstention yeah. policy. I mean, I think, I think, I think it's 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 a very different political tradition. Um, you know, um, yeah. the SDLP are a nationalist party. Sinn Féin are a Republican party, and there's a right. you know there's 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 there's, there's, a, there's a, a, a difference there. You know, right. um, uh, and and very much um, a tension um, uh, between the two sure. as well. You know, um, so that's um, that, that that's an important difference there. You know, the, the SDLP yeah. is founded with the intention of. Um, of, of taking seats in parliament, it's not an abstentionist party. It's uh, it's it wants mm. to be imbricated and argue parliamentarily for um, the the aims of a gradualist constitutional piecemeal um, evolution slowly towards some vague idea of a united Ireland. Um, you know, mm. Republicans are involved in the complete refusal of British authority in Ireland and um, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you know, we can maybe come up with, you know, modern Sinn Féin perhaps, there's a, a bit of controversy around that, but traditionally that is the, that, <laughs> that, that is the Republican position, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, sort of uh, speaking of the present situation as well, something you wrote in your excellent piece, by the way, in the in the New Socialist, which we'll obviously share with the episode uh, about how sort of post Good Friday Agreement, uh, you've kind of got this cross sectarian um, ruling class, which is still maintaining the same sort of capitalist system and the same issues of power imbalance and and um, and 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 sort of economic um deprivation you know which which never really went away in, in a way like um and um yeah a lot of the the sort of core material um issues that were present sort of pre good friday agreement and during the troubles have are still there and haven't really sort of gone away or am i am i correct in sort of understanding that no I, I, absolutely i mean i mean there's um you know so, so obviously you've got a you've got you know since the good friday agreement you've got um a a party in Sinn fein who was once um you know dedicated to the 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 destruction of the stormont state um and um you know the the, the literal you know overthrowing of it um and the establishment of an all island republic who um have now been a party of government for the best part of 20 years um you know mm. in in a junior capacity for much of that but you know um they've been a party of government and that that has created this sort of fissure in the Republican movement, um, it's often referred to by the sort of catch-all derisive term in the British media of like you know dissident republicanism, um, mm-hmm. which um, which is a it, it's a, a gross oversimpl- oversimplification. You know, not everyone who is opposed to the current trage- trajectory of you know Sinn Fein in the North is someone that wants to return to the armed struggle tomorrow. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I would actually say probably a majority are not. They're either independent Republicans now um, who who don't really have a political home anymore. They are Republican socialists who think that um, you know Sinn Fein's um, entrenchment of neoliberalism in the the north um mm. is deeply unattractive and has been damaging um and there are those traditional republicans as well who for, for whom 
you know, the establishment of a socialist republic, you know, in, in the manner that Conley would, would um, uh, you know, would have liked, has always been secondary um, to um, the, the question of national sovereignty, you know. Um, so, um, uh, you know, so the, there's criticisms of Sinn Féin from, from within the Republican movement, you know. And I have to say, I think a lot of them are extremely valid. Um, there's an excellent book by um, Tommy McKerney um, called The Provisional IRA from Insurrection to Parliament uh, on, on Pluto Books. Um, and Tommy McKerney is a former um, um, volunteer in the Provisionals in the East to Rome Brigade. Um, and um, he um, basically writes from, you know, the, the inside of, of, of watching and tracing this political evolution of the movement. Um, and he now mainly focuses his work on something called the Independent Workers Union. And he's a sort of avowed Marxist um, because... Mm -hmm. um, you know, he he personally feels that um, you know that Sinn Fein doesn't represent his republicanism anymore, his politics. Mm -hmm. That it's a party of the establishment, and I think this is a tension as well. When you look at you know in the south, Sinn Fein is is, is able to play um, you know this um, it, it, you know this this uh, this sort of left. I don't like using the term populist, but you know sort, sort of left social democratic popular you know sort of populist appeal to to especially young people on the question of housing and things like that. Um, mm -hmm. And there are an awful lot of Republicans in the north who will tell you. You know, if you're in the South and you're voting for Sinn Féin, great, you know, fantastic. Yes, we might be a step closer to Irish unity, but economically, politically, you know, be, be prepared to be disappointed. Um, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and, and that's yeah. not something I'm going to go into in depth because I'm not really giving you my own personal views here. I'm just giving you an idea of, of the dynamic within within republicanism, you know. Um, mm -hmm. But this is all to play out. This is all, all ahead of us, you know, in, yeah. in a sense as well. Yeah, yeah. Within this, the, the scope of the, the current discussion, I think, we we had like we've had a pretty comprehensive uh, discussion, I would say. Um, or like, was there was there many more sort of things that you were burning to get off your chest? Uh, oh, I could talk about this for like three years nonstop. I mean, so, I mean, of like, course, of course, of course. <laughs> but but I'm, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna mercifully uh, sort of stop now for for the benefit of the of the listeners. <laughs> no, no, but it's honestly been great and like yeah, very educational as well. I mean, like I mean, just doing the research, but but also like during the even like. Over the recording, I feel like I've learned a lot. So yeah, it's been, it's been really great. Thanks uh, thank you for having me on. Um, no, definitely. And um, yeah, any plugs or shout outs um, about your, uh, uh, your your podcast and your writing? Yeah. Um, so I've got um, I've got um, uh, well, I used to have a blog, but I've moved it to a Substack now, which seems to be the sort of trendy thing to do. Um, mm -hmm. You can find mm -hmm. that um, at echoandthunder.substack.com. That's um, basically mm -hmm. my my blog, and soon to be a podcast as well. I've recorded the first episode, um, which looks at the history and politics awesome. of Irish republicanism. Uh, there's a, a load of different articles on there that you can read that I've written if you want to um, you know find out about any of this in in more depth. Um, as well as that, you can get me on Twitter at handloom lament, um, and uh, I also. <laughs> Yeah, I also present a podcast about Japanese wrestling. Uh, so if you're so how you're, how do you actually pronounce that? Like I've always wondered. Uh, it's the the Puro Puri podcast. Yeah, okay, uh, like, Puro Puri. Okay, yeah. yeah. So yeah, no, because yeah, I mean it's um, it's funny because Puro Puri in 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 Bengali means like totally. Like oh. or completely? <laughs> yeah, oh, which is, I know uh, that. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it, 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 it comes from the, yeah, the Japanese um, expression for pro wrestling, which is pro wrestu. So uh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, 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 I got that bit like at some point. I think, uh, yeah, that sort of uh, yeah caught onto that. But but, um, um, but yeah, no, other, definitely. Other than that, you can find my writing in New Socialist. Um, I've written um, uh, a previous thing that might interest people um, uh, about um, the uh, the Pat Finnegan uh, case uh, that we mentioned mm -hmm. um, in this podcast. That, um, that you can take a look at. Um, I've also written for uh, Red Pepper on this subject, and I've got um, mm -hmm. another thing coming out with them soon. And uh, I've written for Jacobin and, and other things. You, you can find me. I'm out there. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Good stuff, good stuff. Yeah, no, we'll, and and also do send me some links to put on the show notes. Absolutely, yeah, I that definitely reading, will. Yeah, that, that, we'll, we'll do that. But no, yeah, this has been really fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on. Um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, as, as always, I'm Arjan at Arjanistan on Twitter. And I'm Rory at Rory Wood on Twitter. Sorry, I've run out of funny ones. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking forward to one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, and then uh, we're, we're at Leftover Pod, um, patreon.com forward slash Leftover Pod. Apologies for the delay on the episode, but it is coming, don't worry. And, um, uh, and, and, and on the first written piece as well, it is coming. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, a huge out, uh, a huge thanks to all of our supporters of course and uh, yeah if you are able to help and have thought about it before and you like what we do please do it helps us a lot um massive shout out to connor as always for the production huge shout out to cardio for music thanks to all of you for listening and we'll catch you all next time cheers have you ever walked the lonesome hills and heard the curlers crying or seen the raven black as night upon the windswept sky to walk the purple heather and hear the west wind cry to know that's where the rockery must die Money was a 